Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome back to Measuring Flicks I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson This is part two of our deep, deep, deep dive coverage of 1971's Straw Dogs Directed by Sam Peckinpah So, I highly recommend you go back and listen to part one before you listen to this But if you do want to listen to uh, part two on its own for some strange reason uh, We did read a statement at the beginning of our first part of this series And I'll paraphrase it for you now This conversation is going to be problematic, Mm -hmm. troubling, upsetting This movie is very heavy and super hard Um, And a lot of the avenues we're going to explore, the ideas we're going to discuss Because this is the episode where we're going to get to the rape scene yeah, uh, this is going to be really. This is going to be a really heavy discussion. We're going to talk about it longer than I probably want. Yes, I feel comfortable. Absolutely, doing. and we are not. We agreed at the beginning of this. We're not going to shy away from anything. We are going to explore avenues and ideas that are problematic is a great word for them so if it gets too heavy just remember it's only a podcast you can always turn it off but we we really wanted to do this film justice by having a no holds barred intellectual discussion of it and the ideas that it presents so diving right back in here we go so we're gonna get to uh the next thing that happens is uh david it's david and amy's sex scene but and uh so i know you had said that some of the some of what what you'd felt in the scene was like the playfulness. Right. Of the two yeah. Of them. This is more the, the actual playful nature of, of the couple of David and Amy. Right. And now where there's not the, the, the needle has been removed from the Snickers bar a little bit. Some of the meanness is out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I, I can see it, I can totally see like, Oh, this is a playful scene. I, and it is, it reads really playfully, mm-hmm. but the only thing where I'm going to read it differently and disagree is what it's couched in between. Because what ha- what happens is, first of all, we see that uh, Janice Hedden, who we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. Janice is watching David yeah, in his Janice office. And her brother, yeah. Well, and and this is important too because <clears throat> she's watching David in his office, and her brother comes and like sneaks up on her and surprises her. Right? When you sneak up and surprise somebody, you like grab their shoulders and go like "boo," right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah her brother grabs her around the throat and half strangles her to surprise her. Yeah. Like, he comes over and grabs the back of her neck and the front of her neck and, like, chokes her. And then he's like, hey, it's just me, sis. <laughs> like, that's fucked Pretty up. Pretty fucked up, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's only you. How, how, how's it going? I'm, I'm perving on David a little bit, you know? Like, but she's, she's watching David, but it's such, and it's such a small moment. But knowing that that actor could have done one of a thousand things to surprise that's her. that's the choice. But he grabs her around yeah. the neck, and it's really disturbing. So... This this is what I'm talking about is what everything that leads into the sex scene is really like kind of off kilter. Yeah. Now, so then when you finally get there in this in this well what should be a a nice moment between two married people the is now, the, the on ramp to the sex scene is just fraught with really yeah. dark shit. Like for example, before David comes upstairs, do you want a grapefruit? He tortures the cat. For oh yeah, like 30 he's chucking, sh- chucking fruit at the cat. He, he throws shit yeah. at the cat, and like, uh, there's a there's a moment where uh, Dustin Hoffman like legit hits the cat in the face with an apple. Yeah, sure and does. The cat freaks out and runs away. And then I'm assuming he like is throwing stuff on the ground and, and then you get to the little, yeah, meow. But um, 
I think I think that's a really important little beat there because David walks out of his office into the uh, kitchen to get and like an apple. Fucking cat is there. Yeah, yeah. that cat, the cat that Amy's always calling for yeah. and disrupting his work. I think David torturing the cat by throwing fruit at it is his way of dominating something weaker and more helpless than he mm-hmm. is. Which in this movie, and in a way, his wife too, because she likes the cat and he doesn't. And also, he's going to fuck with your cat. He's directly equated her with the cat. Before. Absolutely. So that's actually, yeah, that's my next note is something already equated with Amy earlier in the film. Um, now, here's something I want to talk about, which Sam Peckinpah talks about. And then I, the next thing is yeah, the sex scene. But all of us have that potential in us. That, that little streak of cruelty, mm-hmm. that little bit of violence. In Dexter, they call it the dark passenger. In Dexter, they, I like Dexter as well. Yeah. I'm, so every time you say that, I know you, you like give me the eye like, this is too nerdy. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I get it. like season six, I got to finish it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent true. Like there's, you know, that, that, however, however friendly and kind and, and pacifist and hippy dippy, I'm a hippy dippy as shit, yeah. but in all of us, and it's an uncomfortable thing, but it, I think people, a lot of times people are too afraid to examine it. But that potential for violence is there. Everyone has a kick for you, a dog you, somewhere in their head. Or like not what stops you from actually running that person off the road because they cut you off and they're an asshole. Right. Well, I think. Um, or more that they just, uh, I got a kick for a dog in the face. Yeah. Or like, you know, like every once in a while, like, and it is really easy. I, I'm guilty of this. I ever, I think everyone on earth is guilty of this because if you're, if you don't do this, you live with your own, with the the monstrosity of humanity all the time, but it's easy to put the blinders on and say like, well, not me, you know, like I'm not capable of that. This is my favorite example of this is there's a, I can't remember his fucking name, but there's a famous lecturer basically who was pointed out, um, every, like you, he's, he basically said, you can't call every Nazi in history evil. He's like, like these, these people who like, uh, there's a, there's a fucking brutal essay that will just like rip your brain and your heart mm-hmm. out and stomp on him. But he's basically talking about this guy who ran these, these people who staffed the camps right? and they'd go home to their wives and to their children and to, you know, they'd go to church on Sundays and they'd, but, and then they'd go into work and their job was like wheelbarrowing bodies into pits Mm -hmm. or like pulling a lever and killing 40 people and then pulling a lever and killing 40 more people all day long. Yeah. And then they go home and the, there's a, what he's talking about is basically like when you're talking about like a hundred thousand people or like this huge mass of people or any war, think about any soldier in any Mm -hmm. war, you can't categorically call them all evil. Because if they're all evil, they're a huge representative body of humanity. So we're all evil. And that's what he's saying is like people need to recognize the their potential for compartmentalizing violence. Basically that's when they interviewed these guy the the Nazi soldiers who ran the camps, they're mm-hmm. like, How did you fucking do that? How are you not like a sl- like a slavering madman after right. what you've seen and done? And they're basically like, Well, it was my job. And they, they, but when they deconstructed it, these guys had basically put it all in this little bubble, this little box. Like, well, this is what I, this is what I do. This is my job. But really, I'm like, I, I love my family. But I'm a family I man. I go to church on when Sunday. When my kid though. skins his knee, I'm so concerned. Oh my God. And I, yet, I cried when I buried the cat under the tree. Right. And yeah. yet these people, the people, these, the guys who ran these camps managed to compartmentalize in their brain and dehumanize 
an entire race yeah. of other humans. And what this guy points out is he's like, I just want everyone, and it's crazy listening to the how quiet the auditorium goes, but he's like, I want all of you in the audience to just think just for one second, like look inside yourself and recognize that as a human being, you too are capable of this amount of violence. Not that you're going to be violent, right. not that you're a monster, not that he's just like, but he's like, but everyone should self-examine and realize that we are since like we've seen what humans do we're all humans we're all capable of that that violence is in all of us and that's a thing that peck and paul looks at mm-hmm. again and again and yeah. again there's a there's a, a trope that pops up a couple times and straw dogs is actually the most famous example of it which is a non-violent man coming to terms with his violence right and that's what this movie is mm-hmm. and like i don't i don't know about you i we all we all do it we're like you know, you hear about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or you hear right. about like some like, you know what? 2018, you hear about a mass shooting. Yes. And you're like, oh, my God, what a fucking maniac. What a f- uh, what a monster. Yeah. What a what a hellish what a hell this that situation is. Yeah. And uh, you can't fathom it. But if you I don't know if you ever have. I'd, I've done it a couple times where after watching this lecture, we just sit and you have you ever tried to 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 come to terms with or grasp the violent tendencies or the violent impulses or urges within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the, what prevents you from, from doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, and, but knowing, and also knowing that the urge is there. Mm-hmm. Cause like, yeah, again, like I've, I've never, I don't think I've, I haven't been in a fight since grade school. You oh, know? sure. Like, yeah. but, but I oftentimes, I think we all do, like walking around, like especially driving. I tell this to Bert all the time. Like when I'm driving. I work in retail. I want to cut some throats, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But like sometimes when I'm driving, like you get that that thought where you're like, if I had a machine gun right now, I would I could just spray that car and kill that whole. Oh, that fu- that, you're dark. That's a real. <laughs> You never had that thought, but like, like <laughs> I'm gonna get this gun. All right. Well, I mean, dude, I, that's a thought that I've had. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe my 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 capacity or my well of violence within myself is deeper than some. I don't know, but like, that's this movie kind of. <laughs> no, yeah, because 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 uh, when I used to work at a video rental store, sometimes I get really frustrated, and I would whisper under my breath. To a customer who's being a shit, I'm like, and you will be the last to die. Right? So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Maybe. Like, I, and it doesn't have to just be a litany of all the dark right. shit we think of, but like, I'm, I'm positive. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have the ability oh, no, no, no. to, to perform right. violence, but I think my capacity for violence is And massive. that's what we're saying. Like, everyone is. Yeah. 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 And you put it, you put anyone in a situation where that is a, is a, it's a necessary thing. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's also important to note that it's not just like, and this is something that you should do. Like, everyone, no, absolutely fucking not. But it's well, like, I think it's I think everyone should examine the violence within themselves. Mm-hmm. But I'm also saying like, it's not it's not comfortable or and it's not good. It's not like, hey, I I know that if the chips are ever down, I could hack a pair of legs oh, off. Right? You know, yeah. it's knowing it's just knowing that. I think there's a danger in deluding yourself into believing that you're that you are different or better. That's why we have laws yeah. and police officers and that's yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean how many times have we That's heard, why the movies like The Purge exist. This this movie <laughs> forces a really difficult look. Especially David. Because David 
in a weird way, an uncomfortable way, I identify with them a lot where it's like that, like, oh, well, no, don't get in confrontations. I'm super non-confrontational, mm-hmm. dude. I get like cold sweats and prickles all over my body if I yeah. think like I got to get in an argument. Yeah, no, I don't. Mm-mm. But watching that and watching the most realistic evolution into violence that I've ever seen, de- de-evolution into violence that I've ever seen and recognizing that like these these are definitely thoughts that i've mm-hmm. had you know like i'm sure you've thought of this like uh you know like what like a shit hits the fan scenario or like the bombs like we got to get into the we woods, get in the woods. Like, i also fuck some people up yeah right you're like you're like look i'm gonna grab the axe and if someone dude if someone tries to fuck with us i'll kill him i, I don't want to but i'll kill him if yeah, I no, have absolutely to. no i right? run that scenario all the time it's like what if because you know in the where we in the time we live right now i mean there's people have bug out bags and shit and it's like no i will I, sometimes i run that scenario like two in the morning if yeah. i'm like can't sleep can't sleep worried like, about fucking yeah nukes, nukes and shit i'm like could i yes absolutely right and and part of you one part of me wonders though you know i, I thought you were gonna say part of me wants it <laughs> like okay no. <laughs> let's talk about that Carl. <laughs> oh, that's we're, a little no 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 like i god i just want to honestly i just want to live the rest of my life in peace reading yeah that'd be great can i please that'd be great yeah but but that is unavoidable and that this mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about territory that makes me uncomfortable. This is, this is not easy to talk about, but Mm -hmm. like there is definite cruelty and sadism in me. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Not, it's not anything I act on either. Like I said, cause it's different from my personality, but, but it's, it's that lizard brain thing. Yeah. I have in the interest of doing the deep dive full discussion. I have cruel sadistic thoughts sometimes. Yeah. I have very dark urges and dark impulses, but it all, it all stays it in your head. It just lives there in that little yeah, and it's, pocket. And it's, but it's important to recognize that even if, and especially because none of that will ever come out because that's simply not what my no, person that's not is. Me. Yeah. It's important to know that that's in the primordial soup yeah. of your brain. It's, it's just sitting there in the muck. It's hanging out and every once in a while it whispers to you. That's yeah. It's you need to know violence that is in and the I think muck that's, of and I think that's what makes the difference between a good person and a bad person is is we all have that right. muck in our brain but I I hope that I'm a good person right yeah and I know not to because I, I said to some people before too if you could like pop in my brain for like 10 seconds you'd be like fuck dude what is wrong with oh yeah you? man like you know, Jesus but Christ I, but I think that's but I think that's everyone that though. is everyone I think that's everyone I think if we but could, I'm a good person right I, I, you know, so here's the I'm worst, like, here's the worst part of it is if I think that if you could jump into someone, anyone's brain, anyone else's brain you would never want to speak to them again, but you you'd wouldn't be terrified. But I you, think, I, well, here's what I think you, you would be, you wouldn't want to speak to them ever again, but I don't think you'd be surprised. Probably not. So you jump into anyone's brain, but for that's 30 part seconds. of the fucking horror of it too, is because you, you wouldn't want, be surprised. You think that, yeah, because I, I think everyone feels this way, where they're like, "Oh man, my head's pretty fucking dark." But you expect everyone else to be a little better than you, right. like, "Oh well, they don't have dark thoughts." But I, I bet you, I bet money, like, pick a random person off the street, jump in for thirty seconds, and you'd be like, "Whoa, hey shit, never thought of it that way before," Wowzer. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, and this, dude, this movie. This movie really forces you to look at that because mm-hmm. it's you don't ever think, even knowing the end, I didn't expect the end. I knew that the end was David defending his home and killing yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah. but you don't expect the end because David is so like. Put, even you, while he is doing the violence, he's very like still David. 
Yeah. He's not like, I'm going to fuck you up. He's like, I need you to, like, he's There's still a really, the, yeah. he's still the quiet sort of mathematician. Logical. Logical, but he's fucking people up. There's a cool line from a film, one of the film critics, it's the red-haired lady in the pub from the first documentary. Um, I think you watched a YouTube clip yeah, of yeah. her. She talks about how it's, what is frightening, what frightens her most about straw dogs is the, the implication that because uh, David is nonviolent throughout the whole film, he's a pacifist, but because he is intelligent and clever, when he becomes violent, he goes, he goes more violent. Yeah, because he knows how to. Because he's inventive. Yeah. He's intelligent he's enough like, to I'm be. I'm going to put oil on the stove. Yeah. He's not yeah. just brute. Because the other men are all violent, but they're but he knows that he doesn't violent. have the capacity. He knows that he could be overwhelmed and overfought and over like they are much stronger and his, bigger men than yeah. Him. His, so he intelligence has to use his intelligence magnifies yeah. his violence, which is which makes him more, spooky. which makes him a better killer. Um, I wanted to ask you when they're they play chess in bed. We get to yeah. the sex scene. He comes mm-hmm. upstairs. I like that she's reading a book about how to play chess because he's a mathematician. Yeah. Chess is very mathy. She does two things where she seems to be trying to relate to him. Mm-hmm. One is this and the other one's where she asks him about binary numbers. Yes. And he, she kind of knows them mm-hmm. and then he immediately insults her afterwards, right. which we'll get to. But and he, he insults her through the, his chess play as well. But um, Yeah, so I was wondering when she has the chess board on her lap and his, he's... Bobbling her, yeah. Is that what he's doing? I think that he's. I think. He I think it's inferred that he's he's rubbing her her, her vagina. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think that as well. I was wondering if he was just shaking the chest. No, board, I think but. that he's trying to to distract her, and it's it's nineteen seventy one, so you have to make it a little more obvious that that's what's happening. Right. I think now there's. I think there's an interesting dynamic that happens during the game, which is he makes a move, and she. Like this is reading a chess book, and she's like, "I think I've got to move." So that the old. pawn went to there. The right. one that she's, she's trying like, to I suss it out. I think I know how to win this. David, who has been sexually disinterested the whole movie, mm-hmm. he gets into bed. He's got his clothes off. He's rubbing her, and she's trying to make her move. He's inhabiting what has been her world, and she's striving to inhabit what has been his. She's in the world of the mind, and he's like, like oh. trying to. I'm gonna. He's like, David wants to, to do you fuck. Now. Yeah. David wants to fuck, and. She makes a move, which is presumably check. It's a check, yeah. It's either check or checkmate, because the next thing David does is he freezes. Closes the and board. And then he closes the box and stops the game and takes it away. And here's why I think that's important, because he, he stopped the game. You know what I said? I said, you shit, finish the fucking game. Well, I think She's was, got you on the ropes. I think it was checkmate. Yeah, I think she. Fair I enough. I think she made it. Well, that was my because I'm like moved. it was like he didn't allow her to like have that moment of like Super I beat victory? you in chess. He's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you don't get that. Yeah, so if it's if it's check, he's basically. If it's just check, he's not allowing the game to finish. If it's checkmate, he's not allowing her to appreciate to, to revel to in revel in the fact that she she beat a mathematician at chess. I think like, this is like this is like Tom paying for people's stuff this is Mm -hmm. him controlling the pace of the evening because the next thing after he stops the game and locks the box and puts it away now she's like okay you're ready i'm ready so she goes to like kiss on him and stuff where she's like oh "Oh, let's let's fuck and he goes and he starts taking off his watch yeah he's like let me get my and she's like what are you doing he's like i'm taking off my watch and she's like all right now we're ready now we're okay Mm." and he's like oh wait a second and he starts setting the alarm and I think all of that is probably subconscious, but I think it's all little power plays. It is. It's, it's all him. power plays. He's controlling. I'm still in control. Yeah. He, 
he wants to control the tempo yep. because this is her world. The world of sex is definitely Amy's world. And he's like, if I'm going to be here, then I'm going to control the pace. Right. We're going to sex my way. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't, man, I don't know. So my next note <laughs> is Dustin Hoffman is in killer shape, man. That, um, so here's, there's an interesting, there's an interesting, uh, opinion that Dustin Hoffman has about that sex scene where he says, a lot of he's like people always tell me that they like that scene because it seems to be beautiful and playful but to me playing it his motivation was always that this is a like juvenile regression because they're playing under the covers they're not well you remember like it's not really sexy it's more like i'm hiding under the sheets yeah and you don't really get you don't really get sex in the scene. You get them like, I'm looking for a rook. Oh, I think I dropped a chess piece. Right. And they're like wrestling under the blankets. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember that Janice and her brother are, are watching, watching the this entire thing. from yeah. the, I think they're on the roof or something. Yeah, or like from a tree or something. Never... And they've got, yeah, they're like, they've got their arms around <laughs> like each other. Sipping and tea, watching weird, the... Yeah, they're, they're watching the two of them <laughs> yeah. bone. But, um, but yeah, Dustin Hoffman was like, he's like, it was important for me and, uh, for me and Susan to inject... Um, like a a juvenile childishness Mm -hmm. into the scene because one of the things that Dustin Hoffman later says in the bedroom immediately post rape is not Dustin Hoffman doesn't rape Amy, but he, after Amy's been raped and he doesn't know maybe or acknowledge it, he might not acknowledge it because Peckinpah explicitly states that David knows Dustin Hoffman says that in his playing David, he Allowed the possibility that David didn't know or that David wasn't allowing himself to recognize the fact in denial about it Peg and Paul plays it really straight. He's like David knows and he's doing this for revenge Dustin Hoffman was basically like David's a smart guy, but David is also amazing at compartmentalizing and deceiving himself So he's like I don't think he recognizes he's not allowing himself to come to recognize that Amy's been raped so what he says in that immediate scene after because there's only two moments of sex in the movie. One is the playful juvenile. I'm looking for a chess piece. Let's wrestle. Mm-hmm. The other one is a brutal double rape. Mm-hmm. And right after it, Dustin Hoffman tells her, um, you know, you just, you just, uh, you're just a little girl who never grew, who just never grows up. Yeah. And she oh says, my God, I'm trying so fucking brutal. And he goes, she goes, I'm trying. And he goes, it's a little late for that. That's immediately after she's been raped. Yeah, she is curled up in bed, and sweaty, crying. Like, and that's why Dustin Hoffman said it was it. important to establish the like the childishness, right? Because Dustin Hoffman, it's like you need to grow up. He tags up on it again. God, that made me want to fucking puke when he said that too. A lot of this movie does that to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned it earlier, but there's a really interesting cut here. The editing is. It's really amazing. It's a, the editing is the effective portion. Play how, playing roughhousing, roughhousing, sex, 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 sex. Now they're in his study the yeah. next morning, and this is the bit where she, uh, she's. He goes, "Don't play games with me, Amy." Um. So, yeah, don't play games. This is when he goes, "I love you, Amy, but I want you to leave me alone." Uh, I wrote down, "Amy is pouting yep. on the verge of crying." Mm-hmm. Uh, and we haven't seen her do that yet. Seen her cry? No. Or even pout. Or pout? No, she's been playful. Like, or she's just... been in control. Yeah. Because it's every chair is my daddy's chair. Right. I'm gonna erase your thing. But now yeah. he's not having it. Well, do you know? He's being a... Here's my theory. 
do you, well, do you have a theory about why she's vulnerable all of a sudden? I, I think don't. it's the sex scene. Well, I mean, I was I, thinking that, but I was like, is that too, like... I wrote down, David wasn't able to do this to Amy before the sex scene because sex made her vulnerable. She had to literally open herself up to him, and that is... I wrote down that um, that 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 sex that that uh, that emotional vulnerability is foreign to this brutal gray world that we've seen so far. Right, because she's from here. Yep, this is her home. I think romantic, romantic love, romantic sex probably doesn't exist here. Not in Peck, not, not, not in, Peck in this, and Paws Village. Or no. yeah, in this, yeah, not in this Peck and um, Paws Village. So I said it that this these feelings are foreign to the brutal world we've seen so far. The world of men who take. Tom stealing that beer. Mm-hmm. Um, this in this world, even Amy identifies as animal, and or even Amy ends up as animal and prey. Because what I was thinking about this is when we find out that she dated Charlie. Charlie's we found like, that out early. Well, yeah, and yeah. when he goes, there was a time where you'd be begging me for it, Amy, and he reaches around and his hand like grabs her neck and hair in a way that doesn't say like love it says like weird it's it's kind of it's weirdly predatory he's got like a claw on Mm -hmm. her neck and hair and she says take your hand off me charlie and he doesn't for a long time he's like what are you gonna do right i could fuck and just break your head off i could just snap your neck in two pieces and that's the world where she lives in where her old boyfriend it is implied was physically abusive yes and here she kind of had a playful like opened up to david she had sex with him and then this there's this weird childish note where it's like the next morning she's like what do you mean you don't want to play with me yeah come on out and play we should go for a walk and dustin hoffman's like no we made love yesterday damn it we had a yep. firm handshake i love afterwards. you but leave me alone yeah that's yeah. the way he says that oh my god it's so cold harsh. as fuck dude i love you it's amy like, but i want you to leave me alone oh. mm-hmm. um and then we get this fucking weird childish where Amy keeps she's like a metronome she's like tick David's side intellectual wife of a professor having fun with drinks and stuff tick erasing shit off of his chalkboard remaking drinks emasculating him and she does it again here she picks up the piece of chalk Oh, yeah. And if she'd just done it, like if she just picked up the chalk and made the slash, that's angry wife. But right. she picks up the chalk, like holds it there plus, and, and she plays lo- with and it. And she looks at him yep. like, I'm going to do it. Teases him with it. It's it's toys with him. Yeah. She's 10 years old. She mm-hmm. is 10 fucking years old. there. Meh. Well, and the, the fact that she holds it up is the thing where it's mm-hmm. like that thing where you've got like the paintbrush and you look at your mom like, I'm going to do gonna, it, mom. Yep. Oh, my God. I'm going to yeah. do it. You put that paintbrush down. Oh, you can't stop me. And then you exactly. So that's what she. And then she takes the gum out of her mouth. And he says, "Oh my god, don't you fucking do it." Well, he doesn't say. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. Listen here, you fucking crazy. He goes, "Don't do it, Amy." Mm-hmm. And it's they are they read so much like parent and child in that oh, scene. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Ah, God. And she does. She's and I wrote down. Uh, she. Uh, he says don't play games with me in my parentheses I said chess for example sex which games do you not right. want to play uh, and then she she draws a huge slash down his chalkboard and then like an eight year old she sticks her gum to it with that her lip is out like lower like, lip mm-hmm. out like mm, pouting it's this movie's relentless mm-hmm. sticks that gum to the thing 
and she's like meh, 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 and goes out of the room. She's turned into like a 10 year old yep, bully. She, yeah. She's just a bully like the kids at the beginning with the dog and the boy and yep. all of the men of the village. And David, like the major, doesn't do shit. He just like he remains totally detached. Yeah. Oh, dude, their dynamic is so interesting. So here's where the car comes into play. Did I set that up in the last episode? Mm-hmm. OK, so in case you missed that one. When they first pull up to the house at the beginning of the movie, nose th- up. they pull up, yeah. nose up, so that the men on the garage are looking at the hood, and if you open the door to the car, y- the you door, see door... You see door. The door is blocking you. Amy goes to town to get groceries, and when she comes back, she pulls up the car so that the driver's side door is parallel to the garage where the four men are working. She opens the door and sp- gets out spread-legged out and examines a run in her pantyhose. Mm-hmm. But because she to examine that run, she pulls her skirt up while her legs are spread, giving the men up on top of the garage a full a full view of her panties. They get this upskirt shot. And she looks around at them while they're staring at her. And she doesn't close her legs. She doesn't move. She doesn't hide any of the flesh. She doesn't go, oh my goodness, I'm being seen. No. Nope. Eventually, mm-hmm. she stands up in a huff and carries her bags in. Like, I can't believe you all looked at what I just showed you. I pointed out the car earlier because this reads intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now there's something in an interview. I I have a lot of notes and it's buried in there somewhere. But when we find, when I find it, I'll, uh, she basically goes inside and says, it was like they were running their tongues all over my body. And David goes, you should congratulate them on their taste. (laughs) And uh, then there's a big pause while she's like shocked that he would say that. And then he goes, why don't you wear a bra? And she goes, why should I? And he goes, well, you shouldn't go without one and not expect that type to stare. Dude, this is the 2018 conversation. Yeah, it sure is. This is the... I'm like word for word. This is the... Like, you, there's the famous... Not victim blaming, but it's the whole... It is. It's it's, it's the... Uh, it's, you know, you can't go out wearing that short skirt and not expect uh, to be... Uh, you it's know. The, the story we all heard where the, the rape victim goes into the police station and the cops... She's like, I've been raped. I was raped last night by this man. And the cop was like, well, what were you wearing? Yeah, fuck that. This is exactly that yeah, conversation. Dude. I know. It's hard. Now, you know what's harder? In this movie, context of this movie, we are completely talking in the context of this film. But David's not wrong. In the context of In the context of this movie, David's not wrong. Which is fucked up. This is okay. We're, this is Peck and Paw's world. These right. the the rules. And Bear stating again. <laughs> this is yeah, and yeah. this is definitely important because there are there are there are rules in Peck and Paw's film. Yeah. There is a certain dynamic that's established. These men operate a certain way. Amy, Amy operates a certain, a certain way. way. Yes. And Amy's from here, and it is explicitly shown again and again in the film that Amy understands the rules of this world. Yes. She, yes. So, again, in the context of Straw Dogs, Amy is, is literally asking for it. Fuck, man. I know. You can't not say it, though. Do you think I'm wrong? Yeah, I do feel like she's expecting something to happen. Yeah. So there's Dustin Hoffman in an interview. I'm going to try and find the notes. So if you want to talk, go real quick. Um, you got nothing to say. Uh, I got nothing to say. No, because this is like the this is the hard part, right? This is like... 
Yeah. Because of what we're being shown and what we understand as these characters that exist in this world and how Amy operates. It's like Dustin Hoffman saying those lines, like, why don't you wear a bra? It's that whole thing. But then to, to in the same breath, say, like, she is, because it's like she sort of is. She is expecting something to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we we're we'll get into it later, but we're sort of we're sort of shown that we were correct in that assumption. So, or in the, yeah, that's tough, man. Dustin. I know it is. Now, this is yeah, like we said before. Yeah, we have to. I want to explore this idea. Yeah, and whether it's right or wrong, sure. I want like if we throw if if we say something totally radical and crazy, I don't want it to you know like we can we can throw an idea out there. Right. And eh, well, okay, let's dismiss that idea. Sure. But I don't want to leave any ideas in the wings because we're afraid to say them out loud. Right, fair enough. Hoffman, in an interview from uh, Man Trap, Straw Dogs, The Final Cut, 2003, mm-hmm. it's a documentary. I mentioned them all in the yeah, yeah. first episode. Dustin Hoffman thinks that Dave, David, that Amy starts creating this situation where these four burly, manly men who she grew Th- up she with. She knows, yeah. Yeah, are sexually attracted to her and want her. Dustin Hoffman in this documentary puts forward a th- his uh, a theory of his where because you know you do character work on set but he's had yeah. a, he's had a long time to think about the role since and he still thinks about this character a lot and he thinks that David allows Amy to create this situation subconsciously because he's a smart guy yeah he sees knowing, it happening yeah knowing where it will lead and he, there are some. There's a couple different ramifications of that. Well, it's like he's thinking, like, if you want, if this is a thing you want to have happen, we'll go for it. Well, he, when that's not it. Well, I mean, maybe. The, what it seemed to me that Dustin Hoffman was saying was that he, David allows Amy to create this situation so that one, there will be an excuse to blow the marriage to pieces because ah, he wants out of it. But that was, that was like a light insinuation right. more heavily. Dustin Hoffman thinks David was allowing, thinks maybe David was allowing Amy to create this situation, this tension with these men, knowing that it would come to a violent head where David would either be destroyed or would emerge changed because he was unhappy with who he was, which is fucked up. This would be a catalyst for some sort of thing to happen. For something to happen because he's stuck in a rut. Um, But, you know, like that's, that's really interesting Mm -hmm. that that David is complicit in this, not, not thinking like, because if, if that is the case, then David knows that there's a rape coming yeah, and that because of that rape, he can retaliate violently. Right. Which means that David is complicit. In he is complicit. Amy's rape. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think he is too. I think some of the dialogue in the post rape sequence is, indicative that he knows what happened that day and is choosing to ignore it. Right. For example, he says they really they really stuck it to me on the moors today. Yeah. <laughs> that's not just a no. thing you say. That's really that's super relevant to what that's happened. That's rubbing that's rubbing your face in it. Like Yeah, exactly. So we're not I mean, we're not quite there yet, but we are super we're close. We're super actually we're Yeah, we're two pages away, but the rest of it's pretty fast between mm-hmm. here and there, but like this conversation is really important. Yeah. Because the next thing after, after he says you should wear a bra and if you don't wear a bra, then don't expect these guys to avert their eyes. Cause they're polite. These are brutish ruffian men. Mm-hmm. You're asking for it. She says, well, if you could hammer a nail, Venner and Scott wouldn't be out there. 
look, I understand the yeah. impulse to side with Amy in this conversation. But dude, we just watched her like deface his shit and stick gum to his thing, and now she's like basically saying you're not a man. She says later that he's. We're almost to the bit where she tells him like this is the last place you could hide. You're a coward. Mm-hmm. But none of that, none of that excuses or justifies what happens to her. No, absolutely not. Right, yeah. Nothing. But this, that's the problem with this movie is nothing excuses or justifies anybody's any of actions. It. Yeah, this. Yeah, because there are no excuses or justifications for it's any just of a it. presentation yeah. of events. God damn it! It's a movie without morals. Yeah, and it's so difficult as an audience member to bring morals into it because you, yeah, because you have that sense of what. So, but then you're so then you're caught in this weird, awkward place of like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Yeah, because, okay, so there's, I have a cinematography note. We're about to get into, and I think it's important that they're stacked right next to each other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what happens is she gets out of this car, flashes an upskirt with a run in her stockings. Mm-hmm. And she has a sweater on. I think it's a similar sweater to earlier. It's like From green, yeah, green yeah. internal line. Um, and she, so she, she, she pulls up and I'm I'm again I'm gonna put this forward as my theory she pulls up intentionally to show these guys her body now all right here's let's all right uh, everyone mark your mark your timeline controversial conversation coming forthcoming so I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Amy is asking to be raped and I'm not saying in any way that her behavior justifies their behavior. Sure. But this is something I want to examine. So she's in this scene, I'm going to say expressly showing them like her underwear and her run in her stockings and giving them an upskirt. And then she's going to go and try and make Dustin Hoffman jealous. She fails. Just Dustin Hoffman doesn't care. So they get in an argument. She walks upstairs and takes her top off. This is the next thing that yep. happens and throws it down on dust on, on David. And David says, make, make sure, sure to draw, the, the draw the curtains. She walks past the open window and stands with her breasts exposed to these four guys for like five seconds showing off her breasts. Almost like an invitation. Yeah. And then she like gives them like a kind of a coquettish haughty look turns and walks into the bathroom, does not close the bathroom door where she's going to go take a shower. Okay there that's the setup what i want to examine really quick with you is i'm not saying that amy should have expected to be raped or that amy was asking to be raped i'm not saying that at all Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that her behavior justifies charlie and scott uh norman Mm -hmm. yeah norman and charlie raping her later i'm absolutely not saying that but is it wrong to is it reasonable to say that Amy should expect a sexual response from these four absolutely. men? That, that's two completely different Totally things. different things. Yeah, expecting a sexual response, I think absolutely. She's expecting, but not... A, rape, right. Yeah, right, yeah, especially because... Or some sort of, like, come on, or some sort of, like... Flirtatious. Like, like hey, so... so like, yeah, some sort of thing to, to happen. And I get it. I Believe me, I understand right. where the the razor line sure. we're walking right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. This is these are treacherous waters. We knew mm-hmm. we were going to do this. So, what I'm wondering, because and the other thing, and again, it's all in Straw Dogs. This is the movie we're talking about. It's not like she just wore a low cut sundress and all the guys were like, "Oh, you want to fuck?" Right. She has shown them her underwear overtly and has paraded her naked breasts in front of them. This is not like. 
Well, she was wearing like a dress that was real pretty. This is like, she showed me her nude body several times. And I think with Charlie, especially, mm-hmm. there's definite physical cues. Well, they have a history together they too. They do. They have a they have a history, and like she's she openly flirts with at least Charlie and mm-hmm. not Norman, the uh, rat catcher guy. I can't remember his fucking right. name. But yeah, but yeah. So is it's not that like you? It's it, I think it's impossible. It's indefensible in this film, in mm-hmm. this watching of this film, to say that she's not sending sexual signals. She absolutely is. She That's absolutely what she's is. Doing. So the question is. Like, I don't know. It's uh, the the thing that I struggle with isn't the rape in the rape per se, but when she shows up, when Charlie shows up during and this, she's in her bathrobe and, and he goes, "Can I come in?" and she goes, "Sure." Yeah, she comes in and pours him a drink, and then he kisses her. And we, I, we're almost there. We're not quite there, but I just want to use this as to examine this scene we're in right mm-hmm. now. He kisses her. And she kisses him back. Yes. Now, before without going any further, what she does next is say no and push him away and, and tell that him to is leave. The, when you, that that's when you leave. That right. should have been the end of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think she should have been. I don't think that there's anything surprising about the sexual reaction of these four men towards Amy. But knowing who they are, no, not at all. Well, not even knowing who they are. Like, pick four random guys. If a woman flashes you some upskirt and then look i'm not saying she doesn't just walk past you guys, if you guys haven't right. seen it she doesn't just walk past the window with her shirt off she, she stands stands in front of the and window looks at and them. makes eye contact yes. with all four of them before she's she's showing them her breasts like those are clear sexual signals but i might just go, so knock on the door so hi so i noticed you showed me your breast do you want to like make out or something or is that like a no okay well bye then like you know right, it's so like, like so like some, any normal like it's, man that's that's like attracted to this woman might is that an invitation i might go down and knock on the door later right she, so hey what do you so yeah, this, this, man, your husband's this, not home do you want to did you want to like fuck or something because you seem to be showing me like a lo- uh, yeah 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 so she's sending really clear but then sexual she says signals. no you're like oh sorry that's I'm cool confused then. sorry, sorry. Ugh, awkward but it's oh, not but like to working on your garage but it's not <laughs> like i misread your signals it's just i don't know this is this is right. really weird territory so like you know it is it okay to send sexual signals for your own gratification without expect and also to not expect sexual signals to be returned to you? I think that's that's fucking ridiculous to not expect if you're sending a signal to not expect some sort of signal back and again, these, or some sort of yeah. And but then are, if but then if it's like no, I'm sorry, you reread that wrong. Right. A and woman can be or a man can be a tease all they want absolutely. all fucking day long. Absolutely. But you should you might get a tease back and, and it, that is fine. But if you don't uh, want it that point in time, you, you say ah uh, no. It. But uh, the but other, then you fucking back off. The other, then what becomes a problem is when the other person's like no, we're in this. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But and I, that's where it's, and I think the other important thing to really hit on is this wasn't just a sweater without a bra this wasn't just a flirty look no she was she was naked she's half she's half naked and she takes a shower in front of him like these are not like did i misread Mm -hmm. that that's like yeah this the amy the amy character in this is the dynamic is all about like come here big boy and then send him packing Mm-hmm. Oh hey, big boy, how's it going? Why don't you come on and over here? And that sucks, and you got blue balls. Exactly. That is that's her character again and again yep. and again throughout here, which is it's fine. She can the, be a bitch in the real yeah in the real <laughs> world. Yeah, no matter which way you cut it, Amy's a bitch. But that's fine because 
fucking David's a piece of shit. Yeah, he I, sure is. Everyone yeah. in this movie <laughs> is reprehensible. Absolutely. But like the the Amy characters who we're going to be dissecting really shortly. So I wanted to get that on the table, which mm-hmm. is now like I'm going to say it. I will say in this movie. I'm not saying she's asking to be raped, but I'm saying right. Amy is asking for male attention yes. from these four guys. Oh, very much so. And yeah. that is in large part because her husband is totally detached. She's not getting she's not getting anything right. out of her marriage at all. Not like, oh, we don't have sex very often. It's just not no, even no getting conversation, conversation, nothing. Nothing. Right. She's in like the, a dead and these, marriage. And, and to be f- like, not and to she, be fair, but these these are four men that she's familiar with. She knows these guys. She knows them. Right. So I, I feel like... Part of what makes makes her part of what makes her uh, like flaunting her nudity and coming on to these guys so hard to watch and cringy is knowing right off the bat how violent these men yeah, are. It's like, oh god, you know what that's gonna. Yeah, like if if she was doing mm, this to like some you're feeling their fucking fire, man. Yeah, like, if it yeah. was some normal like guy down at the mm-hmm. pub, some guy who doesn't exist in this movie, but right. like some chill, some chill guy, some normal type person, this would play differently. This yeah. would play like comedic. This would be like The Graduate. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But knowing that these dudes are all like these vicious, violent, uninhibited predators, in Peck and Paw's movie, Amy's literally asking for trouble yeah in peck and pause movie yes please rem- yeah please there's, maintain there's a distinction yeah there. please maintain context i know this i know this conversation's hard you should see there's us so squirming many, dude oh we're, my god it's rough we're it's having so trouble rough. too but it's like you think you're having it rough listening dude yeah. we're having a hell of a time right now talking about it so. it's uh yeah it's, it's again though i feel like i have to keep checking in this movie's really good i know really good okay the tracking shot of Hoffman walking to his office is like something out of The Godfather 2. Dude, like wood paneled walls. He walks oh into God, shadow. Yeah. It's so, so beautiful. Um, I will actually say that these notes are not important, so we're going to blast through them. Cool. Um, there's an interesting bit where Dustin Hoffman says, by the way, I never claimed to be one of the paws involved. And I think what he's, I think he literally totally detaches himself from their sexual relationship entirely there because the argument that they're having is about him like leaving maybe because they talk about the, I think it's supposed to be like the Kent state, the Kent state, like yeah, where the students get got killed. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be that. And they're having that argument. She's saying he ran away from that. Basically, ran away from the war rather than deal with violence. He's just gonna go to England. Now he has nowhere else to run. This, he has to go. He ran as far overseas. away as he could. Yeah. She calls him a coward. Basically, uh, she says you're weak, and he says, "I came here because you said you thought we'd be happier here." Mm-hmm. So he flips the script and says, "Like I'm only here because you, you said this, this would fix our marriage." Right. Then she apologizes. But when she's leaving, this is this is where this movie is so fucked up. If it had ended there, it would have been a discussion. Amy apologizes, and yes. then you have a clear winner. But as she's leaving, Dustin Hoffman has to get one last shot in, and then you hate him again. Mm-hmm. So no one is. So no one's. Yeah, there's no one's a, walking yeah. away. The clear. There's like five. That's in the in the right yeah. or wrong or or that you side with. There's like five seconds where you're like, okay, 
Amy apologized, which was right, because okay, she said some enough. really hateful things. Yeah. But then Dustin Hoffman goes, by the way, I never claimed to be one of the involved. And you're like, why did you why say did that? Why did you say that? Why? Now she we're was back. walking away, man. Yeah. So again, like, Fuck. In the one moment where you're like, yeah, maybe I could see. Oh, all right. All right, David is my. Oh, he's a dick. No, fuck. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why, David? Why? Um, so I was wondering, does he mean involved in the protests? Probably. Like, like I wasn't involved with that. So mm-hmm. your argument is invalid because I was never involved. Or is there also some. Uh, because the early part of the argument is about these men who are sexually interested in her and. Is he detaching himself from that group? You know, that's Men interesting because I thought maybe that was that he was talking about both things. There's some doublespeak going on there about not involved. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe there's some other I think stuff. That it's, I think that it's there. So, yeah, we actually <laughs> this paragraph here is all about is David right? Is David is Amy asking right. for it? And then like I'm, as I read these notes, I just keep seeing troubling upsetting <laughs> yeah. and problematic Fuck, they just pop dude. out again and again and again um well we are not the first uh, film review no we're not a review show where we're not the first people to have this conversation about this movie the either, most so, like, famous i think this might be one of the one of the more in-depth ones i couldn't find any like just focusing on this movie podcast that are super long but uh the most famous review of this i think your name's uh, Kathleen Paul or Paul Kath or something like that. I, I have her written down somewhere. She called this the first American, uh, the first piece of American fascist art. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Peckinpah claims that she called him a fascist director and he loves her because she took a firm stand rather than being wishy-washy. He's like, look, I love everything she writes. She thinks my film, she hated this film. And she thinks that it was like a piece, a work of fascist art, which you actually can kind of see by the end of it. Like our pacifist character only comes into true manhood by defending his property and territory by killing all of his enemies. He's really defending a pedophile (laughs) or protecting. Yeah. yeah. Which is also super problematic. Um, so the, this is after that, this is the bit where the house builders mock his unfamiliarity with the car, which I think is kind of fucking crazy because when he he like fails to start the car, mm-hmm. right? Then he stalls it. Then trying to start it again, he floods it. So you're we're stuck with him for like thirty seconds yeah. trying to get this car started. It's an old Triumph, which is a beautiful car. But uh, they as soon as he gets the car started, uh, it's it, the all of the men are in a big basically like a flatbed truck, and that's how they get to and from town out mm-hmm. to his house to work on the thing and back to town. So they're waiting for him. The guy even said, uh, Norman even says to the driver, wait, 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 until he gets the car started. And once he gets the car started, then they take off. Yeah, so they can fuck with him. Down a one track road. Yeah. So Dustin Hoffman's stuck behind this giant flatbed. Yeah. Like, the, that's so childish. Mm-hmm. No, wait, wait for him. Wait for him. They're wait, literally wait, 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 wait. the bullies that are torturing the dog mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. Yes, that is are. our, the rest of the cast is those fucking kids, dude. Oh, it's, it's awful. Um, so... Then they well they almost kill him with one of yes. their jokes where he's uh, let's get him going straight towards a fucking bulldozer. Yeah, they're or like whatever. they're like oh he wants to pass here comes a like yeah it's like a lorry it's like some huge bulldozer thing yeah. like a piece of construction equipment and they wave him on like go for go, go it go ahead you're clear and he whips around him and almost hits this fucking thing yeah <laughs> it's like a funny joke guys dude he gets to the pub now here's where we have to talk about Janice again and boy does this feel. 
I wrote down, uh, uh, is Peckinpah a misogynist? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Which, yes. <laughs> we're, we'll get to that. So. But boy, um, so he gets, we get the Henry scene. It's uh, John Niles and Henry Niles. Niles is, Henry Niles Henry is the, Niles the pedophile. Is the, right. We're just going to call him a pedophile because I'm pretty sure that's what's implied. Yeah. And if not, we see him basically like molesting a minor later. Right. Now the weird thing about that scene is it's that the minor's goading. It's the minor who's running the show. But we'll get there when we get there. Here's the first time that Janice... Fuck this movie. Yeah, dude. So Henry's talking to Janice. Not by his choice. He's just walking along trying to stay away from kids. Yeah. <laughs> so that his brother doesn't beat the beat shit, the shit out, out of him. him. Yeah. And Janice comes over again. Remember the short skirt I talked about in the last there episode? It is, yeah. This is like... Dude, it's like underwear skirt. And she comes like do 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 and this is the this is that same territory we were in when we were talking about Amy sending mm-hmm. sexual signals. I'm gonna say that Janice is fifteen at yeah. the oldest. She probably doesn't really that I mean you don't know any better. So it's not like a grown woman How do you who mean? is who's so with Amy, she is a grown ass woman. She she knows she what knows she's exactly doing. what she's doing. Yeah. I don't think someone of that age necessarily knows I think Janice what is I think Janice knows she's yes okay the potential like the ramifications what the ramifications of her actions I think she knows the result like I definitely think that Janice knows that when she goes and talks to this big slow guy who Mm -hmm. is has a history of sexual assault that when she talks to him especially when she's in her short skirt Mm -hmm. and she's got her flirty face on because that's what she's doing she's she's flirting with Henry with Henry right. that's what she's doing yeah. there's no way to read this scene where she's not trying to seduce she touches this guy. his face for fuck's sake she, like, yeah. well and dude that's the most fucked up part about it is her uh, Henry sees uh, John his brother, his brother come out coming. Yeah. and he goes uh, hey uh, Henry get away from her like if you are seen talking to minors uh, I know five guys who are gonna, gonna hang you from a tree yeah. yeah so he comes out and he's like Henry get away from her and Janice reaches up and touches the side of his face and go, oh, John, he's all right, isn't he? Oh, God. I'll see you, Henry. Dude, it's, it's, okay, movie. It's a movie. Nothing's real. It's all fake. But this is, Janice is all but, like, saying, like, Henry, Henry, I want you to fuck me. Yeah. That she essentially and later in the movie she, she basically is. does yeah right. yeah later in the movie she fairly explicitly says it they they light candles mm-hmm. they're in a barn she yep. she like puts his his hand on her breasts and like I'm gonna kiss you let's mm-hmm. that's and the fact that it is like we we talked about it in the first episode of the series like he is not 100 percent mentally no there now we have made so far what we've done I feel like I'm making excuses for I know I, so I was just gonna say so far which is making me feel fucking disgusting this movie know? makes you feel Damn fucking it. disgusting it's hard to avoid so far we have been like look Janice is coming on to this guy mm-hmm. and he is mentally challenged but let's dial it back Henry Niles is a confirmed pedophile mm-hmm. and later Henry Niles is a murderer yes Henry Niles is a fucking reprehensible just because he's right doesn't excuse it. Yeah, right? like I know horrible things still happen to another human, and there needs. I know to be it's not the the PC term, but since I don't know the PC term, and it's as close as I can get, Henry Niles is simple. Yes, right. He's not quite Lenny, but he's there. He's in that right. neighborhood, and uh, you know, like there and there are this hierarchical this this masculine 
machismo this this uh this masculine violent hierarchy that's been set up by peck and paw in this village there should have been things in place that prevented this from happening yes this is where the violence of men falls apart Mm -hmm. there's a weird moment later where his daughter goes missing and rather than going and looking for his they daughter, they all go do start doing shots. They immediately start preparing to by do, getting drunk. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that what they're preparing for isn't to save the child. It's, it's to, for the violence. Yeah, exactly. Because if it was me, I'd be like, "We're going out and finding my fucking daughter right now." Right? Let's find the get daughter. Get some goddamn find the daughter, flashlights. Find the let's daughter. go. But that's not what they do. They go to the pub and they get prepared for violence. That's oh, wild, man. Um. And so, if I see that dude with my daughter, I'm going to fucking knock his head in the dirt. Right, exactly. Like, you do the violence after you make sure your daughter's safe. Yes. But yeah. these priorities are all weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note that their priorities for for violence aren't the woman. It's focusing violent attention on a man. Right. Because women in this movie are definitely devalued. I, I Okay, the reason that we keep... The reason that we keep reading Janice as the... The like coquettish flirt, the Lolita type character mm-hmm. who's oh she's she's definitely coming on to Henry Niles, but the reason we keep reading her that way is because that's how Peck and Pop portrays her. Yes. So I think it's important that we are reading the the we're text. Not, we've been, we're not reading that as like some sort that is there. Yeah. So this there are lots of interviews where you get I was gonna save it, but you gotta do it now. Okay. When you watch interviews about Sam Peck and Paw. The people they interview, they always get to, what do you think of Sam Peckinpah's opinion of women, of women or his treatment of women? And it's this is the weirdest part about this is it's always exactly 50-50. Half the people say, oh, he hates women. Uh, Sam Peckinpah is a total misogynist, very violent. Um, I've heard lots of stories about how his relationships are abusive. He absolutely hates women. He hates women women the other half say something to the effect of i've never met anybody who loves women as much as sam peckinpah he cherishes them he 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 absolutely adores women he dotes on them i've never seen a kinder gentler and it's a mix of men and women that have these opinions on both sides yeah there's there's women on both sides there's men on both sides it's like this weird fucking like total 50 50 like split down the middle I can't wrap my head around it. I have no explanation. Right, no. Like, I, this is not something that I've come to grasp in any, like, Mm-mm. oh, here's a complex thought about... I don't understand. But I do know that the woman who spent the most time with Sam Peckinpah, that, the woman who keeps popping up his assistant, yes, like, long-time assistant, she was with him for, like, a decade or more, was saying, like... And they a lot of the women say the same thing, which is, like, I love Sam Peckinpah, but I'm glad I wasn't in love with Sam Peckinpah. Man, I don't know. I don't know. Because she, uh, she lists stuff where it's like he once just got up drunkenly in the middle of the night and opened the door and shot at her because he thought yeah, she was an intruder, was intruder, yeah. bugged her room. But at the same time... He was a paranoid schizophrenic, too. Possibly. Possibly. That yeah. Is the, uh, they've just... His, like yeah. A doctor never... He showed a lot of symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia, right. like medicating with alcohol. Mm-hmm. He's like a brutal alcoholic. He's a crazy person. But at the same time, like... Man, I don't know. This this movie, I'll say this right now. The treatment, the depiction of Amy and the depiction of Janice are, in my mind, undoubtedly misogynistic. Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of doubt. Misogynistic I, as hell. Very misogynistic in that Peckinpah has, holds up the masculine as the ideal. Yep. 
and Amy and Janice are framed in the ways in which they are not masculine. Right. So in which they fall short of Peck and Paws. Exactly. Yeah. But I can't say that this is a movie that hates women. It it just right. it just doesn't because it hates everybody. It do, that's I was just like I was trying to that is exactly it hates everyone. Right. Because look, they don't. Amy is not treated well in this movie. No. Absolutely not. But neither is anyone, anyone. else. Like even this, the, even the four guys that are friends, they treat each other horribly too. Like yeah. it's like no one is fucking. You know, part of what makes the movie so problematic. Like we've watched a lot of rape movies. Yeah. Uh, unintentionally. I know nine we, of them this yeah, season. Yeah, we've watched a lot of movies with depictions of rape in them, and the reason that none of them are as problematic as this one is. We're given the. Yeah, they show us immediately. They're like the rapists are pure evil. The victim is purely good. And she's going to take her revenge or other people are going to take their revenge for her. And because we've established this dynamic, their actions are justified. Then you're going to feel like, woohoo, at the end. None of those justifications exist here. In fact, yes, Amy is raped. That is horrible. That whole scene is horrible. What happens to her is horrible. The people who do it are horrible. But Amy's horrible. So it's, it's fucking nuts, dude. Like and the other the other big problem with the movie is if everyone was just shitty yeah. all the time it would be easy because you yeah, just hate everyone. They're, they're all fucking shitty. But every single person, including Norman, they're Scott, human. Yeah, including Norman Scott, have little glimmers of good moments yeah. too. So it's oh, dude, it's not not human. They have like humanity. Yeah, like humanity. They're yeah. not. They're not just like you said earlier. They're not mustache twirling villains. Right. This movie. This movie's treatment of women is absolutely misogynistic, but the film doesn't hate women. The film, the film hates everyone. This movie is this movie's nihilistic. Mm-hmm. This movie is utterly. That's a nihilistic. really good way of putting it. It's nihilistic. Is yeah, yeah, nothing like this is a movie. Again, though, great movie. It's a ni- it's a nihilistic film where nothing matters. Like everything matters so much that nothing, nothing matters, matters at yeah. all. Like there's this movie. Like you could. You could fade to black and just have there's no point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or no like, shit. Yeah. You like, oh my God. It's. But then you just watch an, uh, like a two hour movie that's really fucking well done. And yeah, that's. This is a. This is the hard. I, this is the hardest movie we've ever watched. Oh, yeah. For the show, for sure. Yeah. I think this might be the hardest movie I've ever watched, period, in my life. Like, I'm trying to think of trickier flicks. No, this, this I mean, the fact that it's set with, most of the time, like, if I so see a fucked up movie, dude. it'll it'll set with me for a couple hours and I get over with over it. But no, dude, it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, all right, so if we, let's jump back into the movie and continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. When David gets to the pub, this is where David flexes Tom's power play back at him. Mm-hmm. So he gets there. David walks in, buys a double scotch. Everyone's like sitting around, and then the major comes in. And it's important to remember the four guys who are drinking in the pub with him just tried to kill him on the road, basically yes. as a joke. Yeah. So there's a lot of tension in the scene, and then the major comes in, and Tom goes, "Hey, can I buy you a drink, Tom, or buy you a drink, major?" And the major's trying to get David back up to his house to meet the local pastor and his wife. Right. So uh, uh, the major's like, "Nah, we got to get out of here." And uh, the, David pulls out a big fat stack of money and he well, first he pays for his drink and then you see it because he goes, oh, Tom just asked to buy a drink for the major in this masculine. He's starting to learn the rules yeah. of this masculine ah, I get this now. world this is of this dominance. Works. Yeah. Right. And he goes and he slaps down a bunch of money and he goes, buy them all around. 
And when they do the reverse, it's not like, hey, thanks, da- thanks, it's David. Like you motherfucker. Everyone looks so pissed, mm-hmm. dude. Everyone is fucking furious. It's They're like, like oh, shit, did no. you just buy us all around? Because yeah. David just fl- that was David flexing. Yep. David's like, buy them all around. Catch you guys later. And he walked out. He just bought them all. Mm-hmm. The way that Tom bought, bought him, him earlier. earlier. He just bought that whole bar and they're like, fuck you, (laughs) dude. It's crazy. I actually like I I know it's weird to say, but the like the pub politics of this movie was one of my favorite. Oh, no, no. Seriously. Everything from. Yeah. From like, you know, you watch them or we'll watch them for you. The whole like the way everything sort of works in the small little. That is the the government of this town is in this pub. Yeah, it's like the it's the 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 pub is a mi- like a microcosm yeah. of the larger world. It's exactly. where everyone establishes their dominance or establishes what power yep. they have. There's clearly a pecking order when you see the men lined up. Yep, it goes that's... Tom, Norman, Charlie, and then the rat catcher guy. And I would say that Norman is. I, you'd think that Charlie would be next to his he uncle, would. but He's Norman not. is more violent than Charlie is by far. By far. So if you're far. going by violence, yeah, that's the order. Tom, Norman, Charlie, Ratcatcher, because Ratcatcher is basically just like an overgrown child, yes. and Charlie still has romantic feelings. Norman is like a psychopathic this... rapist, and Tom at one point says, screams literally, "I want his body, or I'll have blood, or something like that." Like yeah. Tom is Tom is so so violent that he's foolishly violent. Yes. So think about that, man. They arranged the, them the in order, order of, of violence. Yeah. This movie's fucking genius, Carl. <laughs> that was I just realized that yeah, just it's, now. It, you, the, you, you blew my mind just a little bit there, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so best dialogue in the film. David gets home. He's drunk from having a sip of scotch. Right. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, though, good drunk actor. Uh, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like Again, this is not a movie that has performance holes. Anywhere. Yeah, you anywhere. can't. Ooh, ooh. Peckinpah did some work, man. Mm-hmm. Whatever, not a, he's a hard man to talk about because damn, he's a good director yeah. boy. Um, so he comes in and the, the minister guy's like, come to the church social. Oh yeah. We got a on Sunday. We got a, we've got a yeah. I don't, he's not Irish at all, but no, I know. that's what I'm putting on him. Uh, David comes home and immediately puts on the bagpipe, the bagpipe music. music yes. His wife turns it off. Like, Dave, nobody wants to hear bagpipe. This music. is annoying. <laughs> they make drinks. He gives them. He, yeah, I'm just some scotch. What are you drinking here? Let's sit down. And he, he's like, "Well, what do you do, David?" And he's like, "I'm a mathematician." Uh, and he's like, "Well, what? Tell me about that." And he's like, "I write. I'm writing a book on uh, like the astral physics or astral mathematics. It's some really heady shit." And you can kind of see the pastor glaze over mm-hmm. a little. And when he goes, "Am I am I boring you?" And he goes, "No, not at all." And then here comes my favorite exchange in the whole film he goes as long as it's not another bomb oh god you remember this yeah and david like smiles at him like uh, you sure you sure you want to do this yeah <laughs> and the minister guy is like well he's like oh well i didn't mean it so what he says is well, you're a scientist can you deny the responsibility david goes i wrote down the whole quote dude. Awesome. this shit is killer Imagine Dustin Hoffman doing this, not me. Fair enough. Imagine Dustin Hoffman doing it so well that you're like the hair on the back of your neck stands up. He goes, can you? After all, there's never been a kingdom given to so much bloodshed as that of Christ. Said Boom. He said to the, pastor, to the pastor sitting next to his wife with the major and his mm-hmm. wife sitting in the room. My God, dude. You see that pastor? Remember the face? Crusades, Dick? Dude, you see the... <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Crusades, Dick? <laughs> 
Bra. Bra, I remember the crusades. Bra, crusades, man. Dude, you see the pastor's face just like, oh, this is a hairier conversation than I'm ready to wade into. This was supposed to be a battle of wits, but I see I'm unarmed. Yeah, it's like, well, you know that the moment you say, like, well, you're in a highly intelligent scientist, as long as it's not another bomb, ha, got him, roast mode, and then the scientist is just, like, turns the key in the back of his head two times and winds up his brain, and he's like, all right, here's everything wrong with theology in five minutes. (laughs) Dude, it's... It is one of those few moments in the movie where you're just like, "All right, David." Yeah, you're. All right, you're on his side, All man. Right. Like yeah. that's the only moment. But you know what? Even then, Peck and Paul manages to take the edge off your happiness because he's being a drunken asshole. Yeah. Like he is. the point, like the 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 touch. Fuck. It, well, I mean, it's the French fencing is touche, right? Touche. Yeah. He's slightly injured. So, I mean, it's like the, the, the touche and then the, the retort is so, it's so quick, but both sides are so eloquent and you can see these two men, both of them very intelligent. You can see these two men. This is, this is the world, Dave, this is David's world of violence. This is, these other men are like physically violent and him and him in his marriage is like juvenile cruelty. This is where David David's violence is I actually think I wrote down This is the first Yeah this is the first moment Of David Like being externally Violent to someone else If you want to get really technical it might be when he just bought them around That's his first foray Into like asserting dominance in his world He's been very testing it out He's been cowed the rest of the movie But now he's On that swing the other way And boy did I Did I have a note Uh the next the, the the pastor leaves cuz he's like <laughs> <laughs> funny joke <laughs> i'm going to go <laughs> but seriously come by sunday yeah he's like we could really use your money i like when right. he's like he's like you didn't just come by to say hi and he pulls his wallet out and the pastor snaps bills yeah, out of his hand before like, he even counts money nope <laughs> yeah i'll take it okay thanks um amy seems aroused by david being abusive being abusive yeah i caught that the next, because the next thing we see, they leave. She's in bed and she's looking at him like, I want to fuck you so hard. And what yeah. she says is, You were awful to that pastor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Wait, what? I think it's, I think it's, You were absolutely awful to the reverend. But she's got like, fuck me eyes going really yeah. hard. It's, it's not like I'm reading into this, dude. She's, for those of you at home who haven't seen it, she's like sprawled on the bed. She's got her glasses on. She does the like sexy glass tip. And the next thing she does is she grabs his shirt like right by his pelvis and goes like, uh, mm, and she tugs on his shirt. Like I, I wrote down like super childishly yes. where she's like, get it. Take your shirt up. Yeah. Take your shirt. Yeah. But like she's, she's hot because of his cruelty. This yeah. movie is disgusting. Carl. Yes, it is. <laughs> like that's really rough, dude. Mm hmm. Like social cruelty And Amy's like Oh that's mm, hot Fuck I wish yeah. I could just watch you Kick a little kid Can you just tell a priest To fuck off again Dude That is That is that is, a, that is the text Of what we're seeing mm-hmm. Is he was a, He was mean And he He put a guy in his place Yep He embarrassed this guy So much that he left And Amy's like Oh you Hey you're one of the hey, guys now Yeah right Dude oh, Fuck Yeah it's really shitty But Oh god it, It's such a It's such a consistent Characterization But that's just it though It's super fucking consistent mm-hmm. And it doesn't I was just gonna say It doesn't like 
beat a dead cat because <laughs> 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 we're about to see a dead cat yeah. guys but um it, it doesn't it doesn't beat that dead horse it every new nuance every new consistent character development does take her a little further yep. or it's, take david a little further yes. it's not just like it's a build on yes. top of it every it's time it's a layer it's not like oh this is that thing again which happens all the time especially in modern film right 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 it's always this yes we know he's an asshole they want yes we know he's an asshole. This shows he's us, an asshole in a slightly different way. It shows She's us aroused. A new facet. In a, yes, yeah, it exactly. shows us a new facet of of her cruelty mm-hmm. and a new facet of David's now evolving Which is violence. Building. It's like the most amazing thin layers of of development. It's it's and consistent, dude. It's ma- It's it's masterful. It's so hard to watch, and that's but what it's makes masterful. it hard because it's masterful. I yeah, think absolutely. if it was just. Because we've we've, we've already seen movies more fucked up than in this. this month. You've already heard us talk about the last house on the left, yeah. Which which, which Bird and I considered dog shit, <laughs> but it's dog shit for certain reasons. It doesn't have this. I mean, it would be even more. Could you yeah. imagine we if Last watch, House was made like this? Like, do you remember when we watched I Spit on Your Grave? Yeah. I Spit on Your Grave is more fucked up than this. Definitely. Definitely. But did not disturb me as much as no. this movie did. Because this movie is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's fucking... Dude, this movie's amazing. Um, so this is where we find the cat hanging in the closet. And I don't know about you. I think Dave killed the cat. You think David killed the oh, cat? Fuck no. <laughs> You're adding a whole new dimension uh, to this yeah, where like, he's like, like, he has fugue dude. states where he yeah, commits he murder. Commits murder and hangs there the is cat. no Charlie or Norman. They're all David. Oh my <laughs> God. But that cat legit scared me. Yeah. I, I went, ha, ha, stop. Yeah, dude, I, I had, did too. Oh, shit. I had Spanish peanuts in my mouth. <laughs> the red ones with the, the, red flaky, with the flaky skin. Said, yeah. <laughs> you just like, you scrape. <laughs> Your teeth are all <laughs> full all of skins. Yeah. The only reason we're laughing is because, boy, some heavy shit's about to happen. But yeah, I know. The, the cat legit scared My me. My body and brain are preparing for it by me too. There's like a, making laugh happen. There's a great little note after this. I think it's I think it's another moment of cruelty that David doesn't protect his wife from the cat. Oh, absolutely. He sits down and she's like, what? What'd you see? And he's not like, don't look, don't he's look. Like, he's, no. He just sits there quietly and lets her go and discover her go for ahead, herself. Go and check it out. And she's horrified by it. Because it's a dead fucking hat. Hang, hat. It's dead a dead cat. cat hanging in the closet. And then what he does... Is he goes and gets the fucking alarm clock and starts winding it. And this is, this was a, this is such a genius touch. He's winding the alarm clock and she's saying, you have to, we have to get out of here. You have to just, you have to go and talk to Norman. Somebody did this, like lock the Who did this? And he's like, it's fine. Everything's cool. I'm going to deal with it. It's just, and she keeps going and going and going. And what finally cuts her off is the spring snaps in the clock. And you're like, what a beautiful fucking, like, Visual and audible metaphor for David. Yep, snap. You're pushing me. You're pushing me. Twang, and then she goes quiet. Yep, because David's David snapped. David snapped. Dude, that. Oh, come on, Carl. No, I'm there. I'm. Oh, that shit was amazing. So, So on so many levels, because one, he's sitting there not doing shit. So I wrote down. She's pleading with him too. Yeah. Then and the next day, the men show back up for work. Mm -hmm. There's a weird note on his. Because she just wants him to like, you need to talk to these fucking guys about the guy to, to ask him. There's a dead just, cat in our room. Yes. You David. need to confront them about this shit. So the next day they all show up and uh, well, they, they come back to work. They're working on the garage and he's sitting in his office just mm-hmm. watching them. And she's like, are you going to watch them all day? And he's like, I could go talk to him. I could go and say that the, the cat disappeared and ask if they've seen it. Right. And she's essentially like, you fucking you pussy. pussy. Yeah. Dude, it's. Absolutely. 
So you pussy, go and talk to them. One of them killed our fucking yeah, cat. Yeah, one of those guys killed our cat. Go find out which and one it, was it is. In our room and in our closet. Now, Carl and I are both speaking very forcefully, but Amy does that wheedling, needling. Mm-hmm. Well, you're maybe not really a man if you don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. And he goes, "You don't think that's enough, do you?" Well, I guess I don't. Know. Maybe I, guess I, don't. Not. Maybe I don't. It's so. Ooh, their their mm-hmm. dynamic is shot for the rest of the movie now. Like, it, oh yeah, it's it, already we done. never recover any of the nope. minute playfulness that there no, was. No, it just goes downhill. So yeah, she's being shitty. He's being a coward. His cowardice irritated me. Yeah, oh, it made me movie. so fucking mad, dude. And you know what? That aligns you with and me too but that aligns you fuck with you the don't people s- on the god garage. damn it i know which makes me so fucking mad i know it's peckinpah is a oh dude it's so well constructed because yeah. his cowardice it's irritates you like yeah take him you want him to stand up and be a man oh shit that's what those other guys believe yeah. fuck yeah you can't get away from it dude no matter yeah, where mm. you turn this movie condemns you for your opinion yeah Oh, it's so, it's like a puzzle and I box kind, movie. And I'm kind of thanking the movie for doing so, too, in a it, weird sort of it way. It makes you think about stuff that, yeah. When was, when, because we, do you remember our, we had some great conversations during our month in the, of Westerns. Do you yeah. remember when we were like, we had that weird moment where we were, not weird, but we, we had that that awesome little conversation where we were like, you know, there is some bit of like the masculine identity oh, yeah, that's, that's been, been lost. lost. Right. And there's something comforting about a man who's willing to go out yeah, and stand put his, up and Put his defend. boots back on and yeah. And then this movie, if you try and stand up and do your like, I wish there was a man. I stand with John Wayne and with. Uh, the I, moment you do that, this movie just. Yeah, eviscerates well, you. Well, you're dude. a fucking rapist then. Like, yeah, so, or you're siding with. There's a type of, there's an awesome. Type of man oh my god, being. I wish I could remember the exact moment. But there's a there's an amazing little fuck. There's an amazing line in one of the essays I read that said this movie's the movie's greatest trick, which it manages to pull off several times, is it it gives you an opening to insert a moralism. And as soon as you do, you realize that you just walk down the aisle in a rapist's shoes. Yeah. Because there's so many Fuck. times in this movie where you're like, David, stand up and be a... Oh, shit, I did it yeah, again. I did it again. <laughs> or you're Fuck. like... You're, or, you know, you uh, converse, you're just like, oh, these men are so brutal. Thank God there's one intellectual. And then by the end of the movie, David is worse than they are. Yeah. And you realize that it's all a fallacy. Every, this movie Every, is pure nihilism. Yep. Everything you believe... Is shitty. Yeah. No matter what you try and put into there this is thing, no, yeah. there's a direct counterpoint that nullifies mm-hmm. your view or or slaps your hand, like we'll see later. Yeah, in the yeah movie. you're you're in a fucking oubliette. Yes, exactly, dude. This movie it's it's the most beautiful example of like multifaceted intellectual nihilism ever because there's traps, there's there's man traps yep. everywhere, everywhere, wherever you step. Because I like to think of myself as a good person, and I have a certain moral compass, yep. and I find myself aligned with with the the lawful good. If you're going <laughs> to yeah, use a D and D, sometimes chaotic good, but nothing but, lends intellectual credence to a conversation <laughs> like a D and D reference. <laughs> but sometimes you look down and it's like, why does my foot hurt? Well, you're fucking standing firmly in a goddamn bear trap. Exactly, like, dude. Exactly. Because you're you're like. For me, there were several moments. There's moments where you're like, you're like, oh, those, I can't believe those perverts were staring. Oh, those rapists are awful. And Mm -hmm. then the next scene, you're like, 
oh my God, no, I've been staring at Amy's breasts for like 30 yeah. seconds. Oh shit. Yeah. You, you can't help it. And then they're exactly. And slightly turned on by her for the, for when she first takes her shirt off. And like, yeah. Like, or the scene oh, where she's fuck. The, the, the first, one of the first shots of the movie, when you, you're, you look at her breasts and she's mm-hmm. walking and they pan up to her face and you're like, all right. And then you see everyone else everyone staring else and you're like, you're like, oh, oh God, shit. I'm just like these fucking. It's Sam Peckinpah's yeah. representation of the audience. So you see what you're doing? You're doing what they're, they're doing. They're all doing what you're doing. Yeah. Staring. And you're like, fuck. And then later the other like, aren't her breasts nice? Yeah, I can't, The rapist thinks so too. And God like, damn it. No. Yeah. That's the whole, oh, That's the God whole point of the movie, yeah. man. This movie is a, is a This is literally, I mean, I say, I've, I've said this quote so many times, but it's because it's relevant to so many things. It's, it's holding the mirror up to nature. Like, yeah. Yeah, Shakespeare absolutely. said that in Hamlet, and it's like that's this the is the fucking... this is a this is a mud streaked mirror in a bloody swamp, dude. Yep, it's because it is, but it's, it's fucking it's there. A deconstruction of humanity in a lot of ways, yep. which is so it. This movie's so good, Carl. Um, I wrote down Amy as much as the the men, the garage fixers, push David further into this world of bullying and masculine violence because it is her who's mm-hmm. like. Again and again, she, she, I mean, you know, if you could hammer a nail, right. they wouldn't be out there. And then here it's she goes your again. your fault that they're here. Why don't you go talk to them? Why mm-hmm. don't you go talk to them? Go and talk about our cat. And he's like, fine. You know what? And you see a moment where Dustin Hoffman like All gets. Right, fine. He's amping himself up a little bit. Right, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I got it. He goes out there and he's like, why don't you guys come on in for a beer? And he walks back into the kitchen like, see what I did? And mm-hmm. she's like, when you, he's like, I'm going to find out. And she's like, when? She pushes him again and yep. he's like, well, now. You can see him. You can see him getting pissed. She pushes him into that and he's like, fine, fucking I will do it. And he walks back in there. And as soon as he gets into that room with those four men, you can see the air go out of him. Yeah, he's just oh, like fuck. I don't even start sweating a little bit, dude. It's beautiful. he like he's he spills his 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 beer, beer over his hand because There's he's a, nervous. And- I wanted to point out the beer because I wanted to get your opinion on it. I can't get a read on it, and I want to know what you think. Amy brings in four beers. And a bowl of milk. And a bowl of milk. The bowl of milk is the cat. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. She's basically like, Dustin, baby, yeah. I got a bowl of milk. Now you literally have to address it. It's the elephant in the room. If you don't address that bowl of milk, then you're a coward. Yeah. So she gives the beers to the men and then she gives one to her husband. And I wanted to get your read on that. Is the beer to her husband a challenge? Because she gives these... I'm going to, uh, okay, Peck and Paw's world. Right. She gives these manly men this beer. She's in a domestic role. Mm-hmm. Again, this movie treats women misogynistically. Yes. There's no two ways about it. She's in this domestic role and she hands these beers to these manly men. D- as far as she knows, David has confronted these men now. Like he's, he's going to find out about the cat. Does she give him the beer as a challenge? Like, do you belong in this circle of manly men who drink their beer? Or does she... So is it is is she giving him this beer out of respect? No. Like equivocating him with these um, I don't read it that way at all. So it's a challenge. It's more of a challenge. Okay. It's like you want you wanted to be in the circle of men here? Well here. Here now you are. You've got a beer. Now Now what are you gonna do? You she basically is like you're it's so demeaning. Yeah, but it's demeaning. The right. way she does it. It's like calling him sir, basically. Mm-hmm. She's like the big boys drink beer. Here's your beer. It would have been even more if she would have actually just poured him a glass of milk instead. Yeah, brought him a glass of milk. <laughs> I'd I'd watch that movie. <laughs> but um I don't know. I uh I I read it as equivocation because but in a weird way because she, he lets her down so hard. Mm-hmm. He's like, "So listen, fellas." And I think it's I think it's Norman who's like, 
hey, you should go shooting with us, Mr. Mr. Sumner. And he's like, shooting? I have a hell. And he's like, well, you're an American. Have you shot guns? And he's like, well, I've shot once, once or, or twice. twice. Never yeah. been hunting. And he's like, it'd be really fun. You know, you'd love it. Let's go all about it. How about yeah, we all go? Yeah. He he makes him one of the guys. And Dustin, the moment Dustin, it's like, oh, it's so sad, dude. It's like watching the, 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 the kid getting bullied. The bully is finally saying, hey, you can come play basketball with us. But it's all a cruel joke. Yeah, because you can see it. Up. This kid, is got, like, he's got his black eye. He's been pushed down his underwear what, really? half of you his want, ass. You want me to come play with you? Yeah. And they're like, hey, you want to play football today, uh, little Stinky Frankie? And Frankie's like, you mean it? I was Stinky Frankie. Were you Stinky Frankie? Yeah. I was too, man. Yeah. I got shoved down a flight of stairs and then a kid jumped like from off the stairs onto my back. I'm pretty sure that's why I have back <laughs> problems when I was like eight. But anyway, but yeah, you get asked to play in the game. That's he, what's happening to Dustin Hoffman's to David. Yeah, man. He's like, wait, I mean, I don't, everyone else. I mean, now I'll come play. Yeah. He, Oh my God. He, he wants, he's gonna, I'm going to confront him. And then they're like, Hey, you want to be one of the gang? And he's like, yeah, yeah. You guys I mean, accepting me? You really fuck the cat. Yeah, and, um, and yeah. Amy, I can't remember what she says, but she asks him to do something. She's like, what about the toaster? And he's like, I'll fix it later. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm one of the men now, so right. I can you yell it. You can't talk to me like that. I'll talk to you like this now. I'm hanging out with your English buddies, and they all hate women, so I'm going to treat you shitty, too. Exactly. Even though he's been treating her shitty in a different way right. the entire film. But now he's treating her shitty like they do. Now, cinematography. All of those guys who are inviting him on the trip are standing against the wall that has the open man trap yes. behind them. Come on, dude. Yeah. That is such powerful symbolism. It's so beautiful. You're like, oh, it's oh, a fuck. trap. Yep. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, guess what? I think, I think David, it might be a trap, David. I think this could be a trap, David. You're not going to want to. In fact, you took your wall, you, you took your two uh, blunderbusses oh. off, of off of the wall to put the man trap up. Onto the wall. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman points guns at people quite a bit yeah. in this movie. I think it's a blunderbuss. The <laughs> it is too. A big, yeah, a big old. I don't have a gun. I got this. Do you think that'll work? I'm like, you don't know what. Uh, is you don't in know that. what. You have no idea. Don't what the, point that at your it guess. It looks like a trumpet with a actually fucking do kill everyone on it. Um, so I wrote down the uh, dust, David dabs sweat. Like the way he when they leave, he's sweating. He's sweating. He takes his little like cloth handkerchief and he. Wipes his little brow and wipes his little neck, and mm-hmm. the way he does it is so. He barely touched his beard. The guys, all of them, pretty uh, much dude. drained. Just, bloop. but it's so uh, the dainty way that he does that, and then when he goes, he immediately is like, "Well, I've got a date shooting guns tomorrow." He goes back to his office. Yep, he's all he's kind of proud of himself. Like, ah, I'm gonna go shooting guns tomorrow. Did you see the? And then I think it's Amy wrote, "Did I catch? Did you I off catch guard? you off guard?" Because it she was. brought the milk. Yeah, she brought. Yep, yeah, exactly. So. She's letting him know that's that. a little horror movie trope, too. Yeah, there's a couple little things in here that go a little bit. Any flaws in this movie? There's two of them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. One is that note on the board, it seems a little bit. I know what you did last summer. Oh, I liked it in a because way. it's I thought it was Amy Reus in the absence of these men, right? Reasserting her dominance. Her dom- I get She's it. like, not only am I not gonna let you just talk to me, like right. you just I'm gonna to fuck me. up your board again. She she's been fiddling with his equation. She completely no. She erased the yeah. She erased the entire top equation and wrote this in its place. Like, hey, don't forget, you fucking suck. Right. And this is my daddy's house. It's no fair enough. Yeah, but no, I I see. But there was a bit of moments like, ooh, that's a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I know what you did last summer. There's um, so they go hunting. And yeah, we got 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. We can make it through the rape. Ugh. I don't want to talk about it for any more than 15. So. Yeah. So 
there's a couple lines on their way out, which is really interesting, which is when they're about to head over a wall, Norman turns back and um, he's the uh, uh, David's the only one. Car- they all have side by side double barrel 12 yes. gauges. You suppose I- his is the only one that's not broken. And Norman says, break it, Mr. Sumner. So, well, I know it's not loaded. And he goes, why? It's not loaded. And he goes, break it. So and he goes, now, you know, which uh, is or no- now he says, now you're sure. Now you're sure. Which there's that's a one that's a weird little moment that I liked because mm-hmm. that is that's a thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. You you carry your that This gun's not with, loaded. Have you seen inside the barrels? Right. No. That's then why you, you see people that. in like walk around with their the gun open. The go- yeah. Yeah. So they know there aren't shells in it. It was it's if a, it's closed, you know there are. It's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like a little calm before the storm mm-hmm. where because that is because they're still being not kind they don't want to get shot no yeah that's but that's also a thing that like friends would do right which like, is hey, like break like, that open break that yeah see, no, so you it's see, like that's a, how you do it it's, it's like teaching moment in a way in a weird way it's it, something about that and it's only like 10 seconds mm-hmm. something about that little felt, moment stuck with me mm-hmm. where i was like that was a really cool dynamic it, it, it everyone seems to be kind of like more or less equal there but mm-hmm. It's almost kind in a way. I don't know. Yeah, I, no, it, I picked up on that absolutely. I'm like, oh shit. So then the hunting stuff is all like they <laughs> they all just bail. They bail on. They're him. like, it's, s- it's the children playing a joke. To be fair though, they do exactly what they say they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. They're like, we'll kick the birds. Over yeah, we're here. gonna drive the birds, and they do. But part of it is to laugh at how useless he is yeah. with a gun. I wrote down. Um, oh my god, David's it's the most useless, ridiculous. David's uselessness with a gun is or equal sign impotence. Yeah, well, and when he does manage to shoot a pheasant, well, I mean, let's put he's that where it belongs, really quick. Okay, fair Cause, enough. Because it's after it is, the, it's intentionally cut in a really in interesting, a really interesting place. place. But I, yeah, I'll let y'all totally. When fair we enough. get there, I'll just be like, "Go, Carl." Yeah, but, fair enough. But I want it to, I want it to fall where it falls because watching it, oh my god, dude, watching it, you get, you get so swept up, and then there's the cut, and you're mm-hmm. like, "No, oh, it's yeah. worse." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. okay, the, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Charlie has snuck back to David's house, yes. David and Amy's house, actually Amy's daddy's house. <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear. Let's, let's be really clear. Cause every She's chair is daddy's on chair. The couch. Yep. And, uh, there's a knock at the door. She opens the door and it's Charlie and Charlie is like, Hey, can I, can, can I come in? Mm-hmm. And she's like, absolutely. Sure. And she goes, do you want a drink? And he goes, yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. So they make a drink. What do you know about cats? And yeah, she, she puts challenges him on it immediately. What David didn't do. Yep. She's like, yeah, what do you know about cats? And he's like, I love cats. Glub. Yep. And then he kisses her. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Remember how we said this conversation was going to be real fucking weird and shitty and problematic? This is this is the this, this is, is it. it right now. Yeah. So put my hood up. She kisses him. This is it, Carl. Yep. Hunker in. I'm in. All right. We're doing it. Yep. We are going wherever mark, we got to go. Mark your calendars, guys. Okay. We're talking this shit through. I ain't pulling punches. Here we go. Nope. So he kisses her. And she is totally fine with that kiss. Yep. So given what we've seen before, we know they have history. She sent Ben sending sexual signals to, I would say, all four men, but it, primarily they're probably for all designed for yes. Charlie. I feel like she has some inkling of starting up in something with him. Yes, an affair of some sort right. on her terms. Now, Susan George, if I recall correctly, she talks about this rape scene at length. And we, I will get into the... Before we move on in the plot, I, after we're done talking about this, I will talk about the shooting of it, which is even more problematic than yeah, what we fair ended enough. up seeing. I was afraid of that. Yeah. So, 
Susan George says that her motivation leading up to this was that Amy wants to make David jealous, but doesn't actually want to betray him like a child would. You don't want to like actually break daddy's car, but but you want to get as close to that as possible. Exactly. So, right. so they kiss, she kisses him back to the point where she's got her arm around his neck. Mm-hmm. She's playing with his hair. And then she goes, she pushes back gently and says, you should leave. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, no, you just kissed me and you've been showing me your boobs and stuff. So he kisses her again and she pushes him back and slaps him. And there's this really weird moment where there's a there's a pause. There's a beat where Charlie's been slapped and you can see kind of ring. It, I, it's like, yeah, it's it's like like a switch was flipped, yep. but it's not like it didn't hurt him at all. What bought what really messes with me about this scene is how ineffectual she is at defending herself. She slaps. Yeah. That's I mean, well, no, what really bothers me about the scene, we'll talk about in 30 seconds, but right. she slaps him. But complete, completely ineffectual. Like, yeah, and he's just like, hmm. And he thinks, you can see him cognize for a yep, second. Yep, he calculates it. He he's thinks like, for a second and goes, all right. Yep. And then he slaps her like hard. Uh, like punches her pretty much. Yeah, and she like... She cranks out like her head cranks over and she falls onto the couch and he hauls her back up the way if you're in a bar fight and you grabbed a dude by the shirt yep. and you were hauling him up to punch him. That's how we grab he hauls her. her back up to your feet or to her feet. And you're like, oh, my God, is he going to punch her? He doesn't. She slaps him again. And he's like, all right, we just did this. You know what happens when you slap me. So he slaps her again. Oh, my God. And it's uh, it's really really interesting. There's a I can't. There's a close up shot of her pressed up against the wall next to the the grandfather clock. Yes, and it's on a slight Dutch. And it's from now on we're gonna see more and more of this. But in this scene, the that Dutch tilt creates this weird off kilter. You're a little feeling bit, of vertigo. Yeah. Like you're reeling with her after the slaps. Yep. You feel a little dizzy. You don't quite have your feet. Right. So. There's just like a just a touch of Dutch on that shot, and so he slaps her and throws her. Uh, it's actually when he slaps her the second time, right before he does it, he says, "Don't tease me, Amy, please," which is an echo of David's line, "Don't play games, Don't play with, games me. with me," right? Which aligns Charlie and David with yeah. each other. Well, it does in, in a very real way uh, yeah. in a moment. Yeah. So he throws her on the couch. Well, he drags her by the hair. Yeah. Like around the couch. Around the couch and then onto the... Pulls her up onto it. And you get the sense, man, that he was really pulling her by the hair. Because she... This is one of those things where it's not like, oh, no, I'm in pain. This is where, like... She's, like, being... Yeah. This is... Remember we talked... Uh, we watched in that interview, like, Peck and Paw, I mean, one of the scenes from... Is it Billy... The, either Billy the Kid or the Wild Bunch, where uh, Chris Christopherson... He, like, Peck and Paw tricked oh, right. a dude tricked into a, a legit rage where he attacked Chris Christopherson and actually hurt him. <laughs> yeah. So and so when you see like Chris Christopherson's eyes watering from pain because his hair is being pulled so because hard because it was being fucking it was pulled. being pulled yeah. super hard because the other dude was like snapped. Yeah, he's like Peck and Pop pushed him into <laughs> yeah. a blind rage. So I don't know, man. Like watching this sequence, a... especially knowing we'll talk about it in a second, but knowing Peck and Paw's original intention for this scene, I bet that was real because it looks real as fuck. Yep. So he gets her on the couch. By the way, this rape scene is. The most troubling of the ones that we've watched, I think, maybe only second to I Spit on Your Grave. I would say, I would say probably above yeah, it's that. Right, yeah. But it's the least realistic. 
because of their reactions. Because of their reactions. But that's just so fucking weird. That's part of what makes it hard to watch. Okay, so here's what happens. He she he starts tearing her clothes away. He like moves her hands and like mm-hmm. very methodically, mechanically is ripping her shirt open. Mm-hmm. And she's a small woman and he's a really big man, so she can't stop him. And what what where it started where I started to like get that no, no, I'm watching one of these scenes. You know yeah. the feeling, yep. that, like yep. creepy, like, God damn it. feeling. Yep, exactly. Was how reasonable her voice sounds when she tells him to stop. She's not like, stop it, stop it, Charlie. Not yet. Not not until the second rape starts. Right. But because that's unfamiliar territory. She goes, no, Charlie, please, Charlie, no. It's like so, mm-hmm. Charlie. You have to stop. Like you know me, you, we, I, Charlie, I think, you know, that what you're doing is wrong and mm-hmm. you should probably leave and you're going to need to buy me a new, bl- like, that's the tone of voice right. she uses, like, Charlie, but, stop. but Charlie, it doesn't stop match it. with yeah. what you're seeing at all, which is him just shredding her clothes with his hands. Um, it's really haunting. It's like that, uh, it's like that moment in, um, uh, black Caesar when, Oh, I'm guessing you're going to have to rape you now. Or when she's, he's like, uh, oh, you one of those women that's got to be raped. Well, fine by me. Oh, right. But it's the yeah. moment where she is like screaming, 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 screaming. And then, and then doesn't, doesn't anymore. scream because yeah. she gave up. It's mm. that moment to me. She's like, I think I'm in a lot of trouble. Yep. So what, here's where the scene, look, rape scenes are always hard to watch, but here's where this one gets really problematic. He starts he starts fucking her. He starts raping her. And she is like screaming and pushing back on him. And then she's not. Then mm-hmm. she's kissing pulling him, him back to, yeah. and pulling him down. Her, to Susan George's credit for this performance, which is a really problematic portrayal of rape, in which we'll get to it in a second. Where, the, where, where, where the she, victim she seems to in, start enjoy to it. enjoy yeah. it. Mm. There's a shift where she goes for it where she's like she's not to the point oh is yeah. i don't know okay look i'm gonna throw it out there because we said we were gonna do this conversation is there a point does she oscillate back and forth between because there seems to be points where she's not being raped so much mm-hmm. as she's having sex with her ex-boyfriend right but then it switches back and she's crying mm-hmm. but then it switches back and we watch her have an orgasm and she's still crying i don't know like this this is a really weird performance yeah and then they cuddle after she says she even said there's oh my god the line that got the line that really like fucked me up was when she says easy to him yeah but so like he's he's raping her and so uh, here's some backstory on this peck and paul went to the guy who plays charlie venner and was like his name's del henny and he was like look here you're gonna do this rape scene and we're going to shoot it this way. And this is the second time they'd done the run through. Cause the original concept was totally scrapped. The actress walked off set and oh, she's fuck. like, she's like, if you try and shoot it the way you want to shoot it, I'll, I'll you find yourself another fucking Amy. Oh wow. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a second, but he goes to this guy and he's like, once you get what you want, I want you to have an emotional journey where now you've become tender because you have claimed this woman as your own. It's like poaching. Right. It's like, uh, or like if you want to put it in Western terms, it's like you've claimed this territory. So now you don't, you're not the violent marauder right. anymore. Now you're the one that you're tending to oh your property. I know dude. It's so this is how, this is the concept that yeah. goes into this. So you can see it in his performance where he, once she stops 
screaming and beating at him and starts uh, I mean right th- there's a very distinct vocal shift. Well, she she actually physically reaches up and, and grabs his face and pulls him towards her right so what and kisses what peck and paw said to this guy was i want you to be tender mm-hmm. like once you have it's it's fucked up in one of the in one of the interviews he describes it not he goes the rape turns into a seduction which is a that is that's a nonsense okay. sentence a, yes it is but in every sense of the word yeah, it's, like that is the most like one of the most troubling things i've ever heard but mm-hmm. when you watch the scene that's what's happening that's what happens is the rape turns into a seduction where he's been slapping her in the face he drags her across the floor he's forcing himself on her and then she shifts to acceptance where she's but is that a uh, the a question def- is, a is it a defense mechanism? mechanism because we do get flashes of david yeah in that scene so part of me was like oh is she pretending or is her brain flipping like this is okay just pretend like you're having sex with somebody I was, or, I yeah is she surviving this yeah is she because mm. this is this is from an interview yeah this is, these are not my words because i watched one of the interviews but back in the day like in the 60s and 70s women were told by like other, like men and other people like if you ever find yourself being raped the best thing you can do is lay back and enjoy it from that was an interview from the 60s from from this movie Right. Oh. Right. It was. It was a woman saying that too. So was it the? Was it the uh, oh, it's back in the day. It's not the film critic. The red-haired. Film I think it was lady. the film critic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She. She. But that's the kind of fucked up. Like that yep. was the mentality. There's uh, right. I and wanted that's to, like the most fucking. I wanted to point this out to people. Um, if people want really I kind want, of want to yeah. puke right now. Yeah, it's gonna get worse too. <laughs> um, but if you want to get a really in-depth look at this rape scene by film critics people who mm-hmm. and, and also people who are involved in the film man trap that documentary 2003 mm-hmm. it's called man trap the final cut straw dogs um so this is the woman the, the woman you were just talking about this is a quote from her from that documentary she says the fact or that peckinpah can take you through a double sequence um, oh wait, no, this is my quote I'm paraphrasing her the, That Peckinpah can th- take you through a double sequence That by the juxtaposition of the two The first rape and the second, the second rape, rape They're different rapes Implies yeah. the existence of Air quotes here Good rape and bad rape Is extremely oh, problematic the- Okay, we, guys, we're talking about a movie I know it's gonna. I'm trying. I'm gonna keep reminding myself that we it's are. It's gonna keep getting worse. By the way, it's we're not done yet. We're not even close to done yet. But that is what we see yeah. in this movie: the first rape when Charlie rapes her. Heavy she, air quotes. Heavy air quotes. She starts to enjoy it to mm-hmm. the point where, you know, when you like watching a love scene and the lover one lover to the other is like just like that john or mm-hmm. like whatever yeah she reaches up for him and wraps her hands around his neck and goes easy and charlie slows his tempo down yeah and he leans down and he gives her these um it, he talks about it in man trap that you can tell everyone understands that this is problematic right so they're just doing their best to explain how, how they did what they did so the guy who plays charlie was like peck and paw told me to be tender so that you can see that moment when she goes up, she can't quite reach him, so she pulls him down to her, and he gives her these little like, like you'd kiss your wife goodbye in the morning before you went to work. These little right. like, 
so mm. tender. It's not like that hungry, like mm. ah, I'm gonna. It's mm. more like a tender little, tender little kisses, pecs, yeah. which she she responds yeah, to. Yeah, and re- she re- yeah. Now during the scene, we intercut with Dustin Hoffman ineffectually trying to shoot birds out of the sky, and he does tag one though. Eventually, we're not. Eventually, we're not there yet. We're not, oh, we're quite not there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I wrote down. But yeah, this is all happening while he is. This is all happening while he's being like distracted by the hunt, and there's it's it's fucked up because it's it's not a clean shift from Mm-mm. like rape to seduction because it's being. At, he kisses her a couple times. She kisses him. Then she puts her hands across her chest, and he has to force her arms open again. Mm-hmm. And she like no, and then oh, it's she oscillates i wrote down she oscillates between shame and lust saying no and reaching for more amy wants it amy does not want it that is how this rape scene plays out yeah that's we're not reading into this this is not us this is what the film shows you and it is so fucking hard to watch yes um and you know it's a really good performance it's a problematic performance. You but can't call it realistic, but no, it's not. But, but what they were given to show you, they from, don't. They absolutely act, deliver. From an acting standpoint, yeah. you are seeing some amazing work being done yeah. by these two. The, by these two actors. I don't know about you, but the the moment, the best moment for me. The, that's so fucked up to say, but the as far as the acting goes, the mm. pinnacle, that peak performance moment, because. However horrific this is, it's a great performance. Yes. This is a really great performance. You can't take that. And I would not take that away from either one of these actors. Absolutely. Especially it, Susan As hard George. as a scene like this would be to, to play, mm-hmm. you've got to appreciate the work, the work that went they're into doing. this. I'm, I have chills right now because of the moment I'm about to talk about, which is horrible. But Susan, this is like one of the most amazing moments of an acting I've ever seen is when Susan George lays, she's laying back and a tear she as she lays back a tear rolls down her cheek and she reaches up for the man who's raping her and she says hold me yeah hold me and he comes down and they literally they cuddle they cuddle afterwards yeah like the rape is done so and she's like rather than like the because we've seen we've seen nine of these yeah there's always the roll away guy looks disgusted yeah that that's the same thing every time, and not in this movie. In this movie, our victim reaches out for her attacker and asks him to hold her. And as she does it, a tear rolls down her cheek. Dude, it's fuck, dude. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it's it's harrowing as shit, man. Um, but we're not done yet. No, we're not. This is where Dustin Hoffman shoots the bird. He I tags believe. a bird. Uh yeah. Yep, and D- he goes and finds it. So David David manages to double tap a pheasant. Yep. It's not quite dead when he gets to it. Not quite. Which is the worst part for me. Second mm-hmm. worst part, the head lol is the worst. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well that's what I'm yeah, I wanted so. you to take this. So yeah, David hits a pheasant. He hits a pheasant. After his wife has just gotten finished. Off. Yeah. She did. She yeah. you can see it in the movie. She orgasms. Yes. So And she's not bummed about no, it. No, she's it's really cuddling with She's cuddling. God damn it. It's really yeah. All right, let's get through the pheasant so we can get to so the worst fe- part. So, so, so David finds the pheasant that he managed to almost kill. It, yeah, it dies in it the dies, bush. It dies in the bush. He goes and finds it. He's picking up. He's carrying it out of the bush. Yeah. And he's looking at it, and he, flop, he flops its head around. It's like a limp penis. Like, it's... It is. It's it a absolutely limp, is. It's a limp... It's, it's a spent, limp phallus that is the head of this pheasant. The head of a dead bird yes 
and it is one that head Th- that, is one of the most disturbing. Lo- there's, I don't remember Hoffman's physical performance mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, oh my god, it's amazing. He's, he's it's disgu- on par with yeah, Susan he's disgusted with it. And there's a little bit of he's like he's holding it like he's you'd hold like a, a child, child, and the head slips from his fingers. And then he and realizes what he has done, and then he returns it to the bush. To the bush. He doesn't take the bird, and he puts sees it the away. blood on his hand, and he's trying he's to wipe it off with his sweater. He's soiled. He can't handle that amount of, of of violence or seeing that carnage that he has caused. Yeah. While at the same time, we're getting a very clear spent erection in the form of this dead the dead bird bird's head. Yeah, like and by and. And Dustin, ha- I think it's important too. The blood, the, the on blood his in hand, the, is on his hands. He yes. is. He feels sick and, yeah. and soiled, and he feels the things that we, as an audience, would expect Amy to feel. Yes, and which is maybe not in the text yet. Right, well, it will, be, but it will but, be. And also, what we as an audience feel, having watched what we just watched, yes. it is disgust, and it's trying to get the blood off of your hands. Like you're feeling responsible from for a, it from a from a depiction from a from a moving picture from movie point of view it is an absolutely brilliant shot and scene yeah. that little tableau with the bird yeah. is oh my god dude it's haunting yeah and then uh and then the bad rape and norman shows up Fuck. that's it's not you she that is that is a quote from a film critic they she calls it the good rape and the bad no, I know. Rape. that's and why we, i tagged it back again we was, all agree that is a whole that's a fucked up term there's too. no such thing as uh, we'll deal with that yeah, later yeah yeah there's yeah. no such look yeah there's no such all, thing as a good rape th- well thank you for you're clearing very that welcome up for yes. us, carl dude yeah it's, it's <laughs> i knew this welcome. we all knew this was going to be yeah. rough we sat it up top okay so norman scott charlie looks up He's like, whew, that was an awesome rape seduction sex scene I just had. Mm-hmm. And he l- turns his head and sees two barrels of a shotgun. Norman Scott has snuck into the house. Norman is the... Yeah, I would he say does this, not see him. Not yet. Um, I would say he's the sec- He's probably the most violent character. I think I he is the most of. violent. So he is aiming a shotgun at Charlie's face. And he waves Charlie off of Amy. And Charlie shakes his head. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. No way. And Norman leans in with the gun, and Charlie shifts his weight. And Norman realizes he's got his in. So Norman comes around. Amy has, because she's cuddling with Charlie now, and not they're not Tussling. having sex. Yeah. They're not having sex anymore. They're not. She's not being raped currently. So she's rolled onto her stomach. And so... This movie, by the, this is important. This movie was banned from being shown in theaters, from being put on video, DVD, or Blu-ray in England until 2002. This is in 1971. Yeah. And the reason is um, because of England's super strict sodomy laws in the 70s. So, as you can probably guess from what I just said, Norman undoes his pants and Charlie holds Amy down mm-hmm. and Norman jumps on the couch and rapes her. So there, and it's not like even this is not that simple, um, like predator victim rape that we've seen right. nine other times this because season. Because you have, you have Charlie, Charlie holding her down and Charlie's performance. Again, he doesn't want 
I can rape her. You can't. This that's too much. But now I'm in. I have to hold her. There, yeah, that is a weird. That is that weird note of like it was fine when I raped her, but this is too far. Yeah. What the fuck is that? It's really <laughs> sickening. But there's a to give. Ah oh, man, to give um, to give Del Henny his due, as an as an actor, mm-hmm. his the range of emotions that run on his face while this is happening is amazing yes it starts with him looking at amy and there's like a kind of like animalistic it okay look guys really uncomfortable territory but i'm just gonna run through it it there's a moment of like yeah yeah fuck her harder yeah in his eyes that's what his face does and then there's a moment of realization where he's like oh this is amy i what did i just think and he looks away and when he looks back he looks he looks sick he looks and then from like that sick it's just sort of like sad it's a shift from like i'm gonna throw up to like this is this is amy a bummer yeah and then he glances up at norman and when he glances up at norman there's a another distinct moment where you can see like the the softness of his eyes harden and he bites back on his emotion and he when he looks at norman he is like he's got the mask of masculinity on again mm-hmm. where he's like this doesn't bother me right i'm as just as violent as you are because showing weakness in front of norman could get him killed that's gonna get a shotgun to my face right yeah so he's like yeah yeah what's up yep. how you doing done done yet <sighs> and this yeah and amy here the the performance here amy is she's screaming and yeah it this is really really rough so there's an interesting <laughs> Given what we talked about, the the cast and crew, which I should say, mm-hmm. treat this scene pretty lightly. They're all kind of jovial because it's oh, you kind of have to. It was a I performance. Mean, they yeah. did a performance. Peck and Paul was a fucking nightmare during this scene. Apparently, God damn it, really? He, yeah, because because he and uh, he and Susan George had a disagreement about how the scene should be shot. So when he finally compromised with her, yeah, this would be a good time to talk about it. Actually, um, according to Susan George. Uh, no one would tell her what they were going to do for the rape scene. And it got closer and closer and closer in the shooting schedule. So she was finally like, uh, listen, I need a meeting with Sam Peckinpah. Sam, what What's are you going to shoot on the day yeah. of the rape scene? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. And she's like, then I'm not doing the rape scene. I yeah, need to fucking f- know. Go fuck yourself. And he's like, well, yeah. you know, okay, what do you want me to do? Do you want, do you want me to write down everything I'm going to do? And she's like, if that would be easier for you. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, then... I just need to know what you expect of me that day. And he's like, you know that you're, you knew when you signed up for the movie that you're going to be nude. So you know, you're going to be naked. And she's like, yep, I know that. Now what am I going to do? And Sam Peckinpah, apparently this is Susan George. No one else was present for the meeting and Sam Peckinpah is dead. But given what I know about Peckinpah, I believe it. Uh, Susan George in the interview says, and I think it's important to note before I say the next thing, which is fucked up that Susan George Frequently throughout the interview, still, given what he, Sam Peckinpah was trying to do to her, said that she loved Sam Peckinpah and loved working with mm-hmm. him, which is so weird. It is weird. <laughs> but he told her, well, you're going to have sex with uh, Del Henny, and then Ken Hutchinson, the guy who plays Norman, is going to come in and he's going to bugger you. And she's like, what does that mean? And he was like, well... Uh, one guy is going to fuck you and then the other guy is going to come and fuck you in the ass, basically. And she's like, 
really that's what you're that's what you're gonna shoot you're gonna shoot a gangbang and put it in your movie and he's like that's the plan and she's like find yourself a new amy fuck you yep and bailed peck and paul wanted to legit just like actually have that being ha- like yeah like really shoot just it. have her have sex with two dudes and shoot it yeah basically essentially at what point is like i mean i it know consent yeah. i know consent's a whole issue but like at what point is that legit rape because Peck and Paws her boss she's, and she's right. getting paid a huge amount of money for the movie. Jesus Christ. He yeah. wanted to shoot her like a real rape. And she's Fuck like, well, then I'm no, leaving. Then bye. So filming shut down for two weeks. Wow. And then she got another meeting because Peck and Paws like, there's nothing. I got to shoot this. I got to shoot this. And I can't shoot anything else without Amy. And we've shot so much with her. I need yep. Susan George back. So he's like, here's what I want to do. And she's like, no. He basically wanted to shoot all sorts of angles, really intrusive angles. And she's like, how about this? I'll shoot it this way. You can shoot whatever you want, like not not like super up in my business. Right. But for all of the really hardcore shit, the really brutal stuff, shoot my face and focus on my eyes. And Peck and Paw's like, fine. So they shot the rape scene over the course of three days. That's a long time to be shooting. Jesus. And the whole time, from that point, from the time they made the agreement... Until the time the rape scene wrapped, Peck and Paw didn't say a single word to Susan George. And during the shooting, he sat directly out of frame right next to her head and watched without saying anything. That's So during the rape fuck. scene, if you're watching the movie, Peck and Paw's like a foot to the right. Oh my God. Sitting next to the couch and staring at Susan George to, to make her feel uncomfortable. To feel uncomfortable, yeah. And you know what? That is maybe the most fucked up thing that you could I could ever possibly say, and that makes Peck and Paul like utterly abhorrent. Yeah, but it, it worked, worked though. God. I know, dude. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. This movie is just, ugh. it's masterpiece, dude. This movie is a masterpiece, but there's so many like dirty fucking scummy edges to yeah. it. It's so hard. You have to wade through like rivers of shit, but. But at the end, it really does reward you. You realize and you know, the shits are baby Ruths. No, you know, it's not, not really. even that. It's you realize you realize that they aren't. there's a bit more. The, the movie rewards you with honesty. This movie is Fair enough. utterly honest. And it's not at all comfortable, but you very rarely get pure honesty. You at the end of it. You certainly film. don't know. So this is that's this movie is worth it. Look, we just went through really hardcore territory. And it's really troubling and super problematic. And all the critics acknowledge that it's yep, really troubling sure and do. super problematic. Like their Peck and Paw creates a distinction between good rape and bad rape. Peck and Paw, uh, let me get another quote from him really quick. I don't know why I'm even bothering, but he said when they originally proposed the film to him, Peckinpah said that there was four aspects of Straw Dogs that attracted him and made him want to direct it. One, the uh, the concept of man ignoring violence within himself. He mm-hmm. loves that idea. We see it again and again. Two, an intellectual fleeing society and ignoring his responsibilities. Yes. Which is all over this yes. and actually really well handled. Three... Yeah, uh, the man who becomes violent when he realizes his wife has been raped, and that he must defend what belongs to him. Belongs. Yeah, that's to a him. quote. That's a quote. For the unsatisfied wife and the sexual relations of the couple, he liked 
Um, That's it, what was sort of attracted him to. The he product, liked the difference the that was that showed up between this like emotionally stunted, intellectual, like playful, childish thing and the introduction of what I don't know, but what I would assume Peck and Paw saw as like brutal hard men. The 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 dichotomy between that because mm-hmm. there's really three sex scenes in this movie. Yeah, there's the, the Dustin Hoffman sex scene. There's the rape seduction lovemaking trifecta with Charlie, which is really uncomfortable to watch or talk yes. about. And then there's the the rape, the Norman Scott rape, which the film editor <laughs> the film editor has a funny story about it actually, which is fucked up because it shouldn't be funny at all, but. The film editor was saying because they were trying to get Straw Dogs not banned in the UK. Fair enough. So they're like, they're like, you can't show this. That that woman is being buggered. Yes, she's, she's they're raping her ass. Like that's fucked up. We can't show that in England. And the guy's like, no, no, no. That's it's just normal rear entry. So he said he and one of the head censors sat in a dark room with a moviola for a week and just watched. There's like. 20 or 10 frames or 20 frames where you get a shot of Susan George's butt in the air right and Norman kneeling behind her and he's like if you look at the angle of her pelvis and the oh angle of his God. pelvis it's, like, it's clearly it's, it's rear clearly entry rear that. entry and not uh, sodomy right so they oh they God. went back and forth through this film the, on one of the, the dailies and they're like they went through 10 frames for a week oh my arguing God. and they got people in to replicate <laughs> and they're oh like so where God. does to, to try and figure out whether, whether this movie like was going to be banned or, or just rated NC-17 or whatever oh and, my <laughs> God yeah so and that's comical it in is a weird and the, sort of way the editor laughs about it and you know yeah. it's I think it's important to like Susan George is troubled by what happened there, but I don't think it really seemed to sully the rest of her experience in the movie. She she is like effervescent in the interviews. Yeah. She's really happy with this movie and happy with Peckinpah and the career. And that's a really dark bit. But when you hear people talk about Peckinpah, like dark darkness was there all the time. Yeah, of course. It's, but it's but what yeah, like listening Man Trap doesn't treat it as heavy as we do. We're we're trying to come at it as like conscientious critical analysis these people are all like oh yeah that was a crazy scene man right there's so much there though yeah there really really is so that and then there's a cut as this is kind of the last moment of the of the rape but when they we cut away from amy as norman is still raping her and we cut to dustin hoffman walking away from the camera and the juxtaposition of amy screaming and Dustin Hoffman walking away, walking away is horrifying. Yes. Yes. All right. That concludes the rape itself, which is good because we're at two Ooh, hours. Good. So uh, we're going to put a pin in this bad mamma jamma. Uh, so we're a listener support. And you know what? We're, we do have, well, there's more. So I don't know if we'll do it today or when, right. but listen, <laughs> continue to listen. And we're, we're, the, like, we're, we're heading into the end of the movie. I got fucking yeah. lots of notes. We might have to just glaze over some stuff, but. Yeah, so that was part two of Straw Dogs, 1971. I'm pretty sure the 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 worst of it might yeah, be over. Yeah, I think it is. I don't, we've already talked about um, the the pedophile shit. Yeah. So we've we've talked about that. We've talked about the problematic nature of Amy's mm-hmm. uh, sending sexual signals. We've talked about the rape, um, and now I think that's probably as now bad as it get gets. The a third lot of act, yeah. yeah, the third. Although the third act is really bleak. There's nothing really as problematic or or 
upsetting or it, controversial. It, it, be, it almost becomes not assault on precinct thirteen, but it does become a, a different kind of. Movie. Yeah, it's like a nihilistic version of a of a home invasion film. Yeah. really dark version mm-hmm. of a home invasion film, basically at this point. So, thank you for. If you've made it through, yeah. you know, thank you for sticking with us this long. Um, we are a listener-supported podcast. If you, I can't say, li- if you like what you're here, <laughs> if you like conversations like this right. in depth, head on over to patreon.com slash maxpeterson, or you can send us an email at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd like to thank our patrons, John Scheibe, Casey Scheibe, Danielle Pelsha, and Con- I almost said Connor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> he just lost the other night. Uh, and Connor Sweeney, thank you guys so much for your support. You made this mess possible. Thank you. You made this in-depth dive possible. So, um, part three. I mean, I got a couple. We got a couple weeks before it'll have to drop up. We'll probably get her done. So keep on rolling, keep on listening, and uh, <laughs> see you guys on the other side. <laughs> Later.